0: Welcome to the Chelsea fancast, fueled by Guinness, powered by celery, the show that is full of ambition and other things we can't mention. Hmm. Anyway, it seems to have been forgotten that many of us did not hold out too much hope of getting a result against City, a soci- social media meltdown yesterday after Chelsea put in a limp-wristed display, surrendering meekly and losing uh, 1-0 to Man City. Ah, well, maybe the tide is turning and supporters would have preferred to have lost heavily, having had a go rather than showing no ambition and hope for a draw or nicking a 1-0 win. Either way, Conte trailing Hazard as a false number nine, perhaps with the Barcelona match in mind, is pointless when Chelsea could not even muster a shot on goal, no matter how well we defended and kept City out for much of the match. At the end of the day... It's a results business, and Chelsea didn't get one. Meaning we are now five points behind Spurs in our battle to finish in the top four. Uh, the Chelsea Fancast number four hundred and seventeen is entitled this week "Costa Manka," which will need some working out for those of you who don't have the wit and genius of, that I do. But anyway, uh, I will explain <laughs> later. Uh, yes, well, Marco Giggle—that's a star, isn't it? Oh, I just—I kind of it was you jk i do yeah. apologize you see my thought was that pep's turning them into uh, kind of the barcelona of the northwest you see clever but also
2: i was thinking of the the, the slight french involvement which is manca meaning to uh, as in monke meaning to lose i mean to, to be lacking in something yeah so you're lacking in
0: costa like like me i, I used to be i used to call myself an actor monke exactly exactly exactly
2: and that doesn't mean somebody somebody who goes
0: no although although i was always available for that should it be required i'll tell you a very i have i would have to do this off air and i I might do it on friday when i see you i'll tell you a story about uh something like that but i just can't even begin to try and explain that on air i'll I'll be locked away um right you've you've already heard from the wonderful jonathan kidd who as ever is my uh right right-hand man and partner in crime but we've got i mean you know it's funny how the chips fall on the old chelsea fancast schedule really isn't it um i mean after after a game against like that against man city who who would you really want to be on the show to talk sense uh with me and jonathan if i had a choice and funnily enough i did although i had no idea it would play out like this it would definitely be Mark Worrell and Mr. Joe Tweeds. But first of all, Marco, lovely to have you on the show, uh, even though the result wasn't perhaps what we wanted.
3: Good evening. Quite funny. I'm, I'm just... Uh, I don't know if you follow Chelsea giggs on Twitter. He's just posted something quite interesting, which, which is a flowing move from... Started by Courtois with a probably... Fabregas's only decent pass of the match, which fell to uh, Moses, yeah, and he pumped it about twenty feet wide. And I, he- don't,
0: I don't need, I don't need to see it again because when that happened, I nearly punched the wall in at home. I was so annoyed.
3: <laughs> he's put on, the, he's put on his tweet. How different would the narrative have been if we'd left Manchester with a point yesterday? Question. Well, I.
0: Well, I agree with that, but we'll talk more about that in a minute. But Marco, as always, great to have you on board. Yeah, and absolutely. as I mentioned a minute ago, uh, the wonderful, no lesser man than Joe Tweeds, all the way from Copen- wonderful, wonderful Copenhagen. How are you, Joe? Yeah, really good, Joe.
1: Thank you for having me on, as always.
0: Always a pleasure, mate. As I said, it's. it's I think, you know, the, well, I have, and Jonathan has, but I think the listeners will have lucked out tonight having you two on tonight to... Uh, dissect and pr- provide a an intelligent uh, post-mortem on uh, yesterday's events. And uh, they will be as follows. Uh, on the show tonight, we're going to ask, uh, should we be worried about Hazard's future with his frustration at being played as a striker clearly aired during the defeat to City? Uh, in part two, uh, we're going to ask, why did Chelsea sh- show such a lack of ambition and fight? And what of Conte's future and our chances of making the top four? And in part three... Uh, we go a little bit off-piste. We're going to discuss whether attitudes to football have changed. Are supporters more interested in entertaining attacking football than negatively trying to get a result? And uh, in part four, we've got more of your emails from the one and only Jonathan Kidd to read out. It's going to be a cracker. Now, uh, don't forget, as always, of course, you can listen to this show live, live, live live every Monday at 7 o'clock by going to Mixler, which is M-I-X-L-R, dot com forward slash chelsea-fancast, hyphen fancast, where of course you can join in all the chat by posting on the live chat page, as so many of them do. Uh, of course, you can always tweet us at chelsea-fancast at any time you like, and we'll try and get back to you. But uh, as always, there's a massive, massive motley crew, the Chelsea fancast hardcore firm, as I like to call them. Uh, Who've we got? Vinda Blue, Andy Silverman, Praj is in the house, Dan Dan Francisco, one of my favourite names, and his name is real, you know, that's his real name, but it's still one of my favourite names. John Chipp- Chiverton, Sillsbid, uh, who else have we got? Lee- oh, Keon's in the house, the editor of the Chelsea Fancast website. you want to ask Keon any questions about the website and stuff, then uh, you can ping him a, a message on Mixler and I'm sure he'll answer. Carefree P, Paul Burgess, Mr. C.H. David. They're all there. It's Oh, Bob get in there. Great. And Kurt and Matt, Matt, Nick Lennox, and There's so many of you in there. Well, wouldn't it be lovely one day to get you all in a pub and we could get absolutely plastered and have a proper old chat? That would be great. I'd love to do that one day. Uh, now, uh, I have some breaking news for you all before we go to the uh, uh, first kind of bit breaking of football news. discussion. Breaking, breaking news. Breaking news. news. Uh, well, the breaking news is, is that Chelsea Fancast will be joining... Uh Love Love Sport Radio easy for me to say, Love Sport Radio every Friday from now on, uh for a two hour show between seven o'clock and nine PM for a new edition of the Chelsea Fancast. Uh Jonathan and uh, Mark and myself will be kicking things off this Friday. Uh there's a lovely uh there's a lovely guy who we've not met yet called Alex Stovanovich who is sure for a big surprise when we sing the Ivanovic song to him. He won't know anything about this, but he's going to be hosting it and pulling it all together. Uh, And the best thing about this here radio show, because it is a radio show, is that you lot out there can phone in and join in the show and have a debate with us live, something that we're not able to do on, uh, on the Monday night version for obvious reasons. Now, I'm led to believe that the number to call is 0207 702 0558. That's 0207... Seven o two zero five five eight. That is the number that uh they have on their website. So I'm only going by that. It says call the studio on this number. It could be different. If I find out it's a different one, I'll let you know. Obviously, we will be reminding you of this constantly before Friday. uh Basically, Love Sports are uh, it's a new London radio station, and it is broadcast on the five five eight a.m. waveband and on London DAB digital radio, and uh, along with numerous other digital channels. Uh, sometimes you have to kind of rescan your radio set so you can pick up all the new radio radio stations as so they become available. But you can also listen to it anywhere in the world uh, by visiting lovesportradio.com, uh, and of course you can download Lovesport apps in the Android and iOS app stores. Uh, and you can also listen to Lovesport through Radio Player. And tune in. I think Radio Player is another kind of radio app which I use, funnily enough. Uh, and you can follow them on Twitter at Love Sport Radio and Facebook www.facebook.com forward slash Love Sport Radio. Um, I, for what I'm really looking forward to this, I am uber pumped for this. And I know Jonathan and Marco are, because I've been obviously speaking to them, we've been plotting it for a, a while. So we, are you excited, Jonathan? Oh, chitch. Oh, 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 my colleagues are wobbling. Mm-hmm. Um... Uh Very. Yeah, it's going to be very
2: interesting. Actually, um, bouncing off you, and you telling me to shut up all the time. I'm looking forward to it. Actually, um, you know,
0: I, I have a feeling. I have a feeling that 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 uh, that luxury, of course, it is a luxury, will m- quite possibly befall to Alex Stavanovich. Oh yes,
2: of course it will. Yes, there's a third. Yes. Uh, yeah, there's a fourth. I should say. Yeah,
0: yeah. Oh, do you, do you yeah. think he'll
2: be able to Chidge? Do you think that he might? Not, have he hasn't
0: got his... a hope in hell. No, he hasn't got a you in the email. I've been doing this for 10 years, and I still can't kick you lot under control. So what what hope has he got? But
2: it'd be great if there's somebody phoning in as well. It'll be a disaster, won't it? It'll be everybody talking. Well, about indeed.
0: No, we'll have, have to, to behave defer. ourselves and we'll be professional. we have to do,
2: though, Chich, we have to defer in the same way as we do here. I think we've been learning mm. well, actually, to defer to those moments, to let people have their go. I think we're good at that. Yeah.
0: So. yeah the punching stick used to work very well in the old days. But you used to kick me under the table a lot. But, yeah, so, or yeah. punch you frankly yeah yeah, yeah yeah i think think maybe we should have a we should have a safe word
2: <laughs> <laughs> i know let's have a safe rude word
0: like wanker. celery <laughs> celery will be the safe word marco you're on it on the first one which i'm delighted by actually i think it's great to have <laughs> us three on it um, so you looking forward to it mate
3: yeah yeah do we get to sort of wear wear headphones and talking to a big fluffy microphone?
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I went there yeah. on Friday and checked it yeah. out. It's a tiny, tiny, tiny studio. I mean, it's absolutely tiny. We'll just about fit round the table us three plus Alex. But I would imagine, yes, we'll have headphones. We've got proper mics, so you and we have to wear to we have
2: to wear tuxedos as well, don't we? Uh, only, only on the top <laughs> it's, it's half, not, nothing
0: underneath. <laughs> anyway listen we we should move on because we've got lots of football to talk about tonight but I just thought I'd let the people know because it'll be cracking what I'd love you to do and I'll, I'll try and do a shout out on Twitter or something but we'll try and get some people lined up for phone calls because, you know, early days, nobody will phone up. So it would be nice to get a few friendly voices that we know and love and get you to phone up. But I'll, uh, I'll keep you posted. You know how to get hold of me. Email me at chelseafancast at gmail.com or just get in touch at chelseafancast on Twitter. But we'll, we'll try and line up a few of you to, to get a phone call in. All right? Bitch, okay.
2: I can go to the loo
0: and I can phone up. Yeah, do a funny voice. That would be yeah. funny. Really, that would be, funny. Yeah, yeah, that that would that would be quite funny. I, I yeah, could, yeah, could right. be the oldest Chelsea supporter known.
2: Hello, I'm 110,
0: you know. I could do that. We we had one on, on, funnily enough, I think it was Talk Sport today, a 74 year old Chelsea supporter who was in Budapest on holiday. Uh, but he phoned in. Anyway, we digress. We've got football to talk about. Let's all shut up. After this yes. break, we'll be on it. We'll be on it. Yes, OK. Well, I really kind of want to dedicate the first part, as, as people i familiar with the show will, will not know, but I, li- I, I like to pick up on a big issue for the first part of the show before we really get into talking about uh, all the football stuff that happened. And uh, for me, it really was um, the worry that I have about Hazard, and I've entitled it Hazard Warning. Clever. Now, I'm sure, I'm sure that we will we will, no doubt... Discuss the merits or demerits of, of playing him as as a as a false nine, uh, and I don't think there'll be anybody who's yet to even to be discovered in the Amazon rainforest who thinks that, that was a good idea. But I think the thing that really concerned me most was was how frustrated he looked, Jonathan. I mean, he cut a really frustrated figure. And Hazard is a player that, as we know, I mean, he has his faults. So I'd be the first to admit that, but he is a player who has a real who brings a real joy to playing football. And it, and, and it worries me, it worries me to see him looking so frustrated, you know, and he kind, of, he kind of shot out, I mean he's never very naughty or controversial in the press, but after the Barca game, which actually worked out I think quite well, he still put out a bit of a kind of, you know, I don't really like playing fourth number nine because it's an absolute bloody waste of my talents, so I, I do find it worrying uh, his reaction yesterday, given that, you know, we're all a bit worried that he might bugger off to Real Madrid.
2: He is one of the best players in Europe at what he does, which is dribbling, beating people, coming in, um, working behind the a uh, uh, centre forward and, uh, or coming in from the wing and to play him like that. Well, did he have eight touches? Um, I thought it was really significant that there wasn't a glance at Conte when he was substituted. And, uh, they can't be pleased with that. He, and he won't be pleased with that. And I share your misgivings. Um, what must he be thinking? Well, I, once again, we, we don't know whether we're not party to what's going on. It might be that, um, you know, they're all aware that Conti's is trying to self-implode. Um, but um, uh, it was desperate, wasn't it? It was really an example of just wasting your best player Um and, I, 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 and I, was, I was annoyed that because the tactic clearly wasn't working, that he didn't change it either and just kept on with him all the time. And um, they talked about he didn't want to dent the confidence. Bloody hell, it must dent the confidence of your, your best player if he, he doesn't get into the game at all. I mean, could they not have jibbed it differently in some way so that it, as he saw it wasn't working, uh, whatever his plan was? I mean, we're going to get into, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm shooting my bolt here too soon because I don't know what he was I know what he was trying to do was defend, and then he talked about his conf the confidence of the team afterwards. But uh, that was just embarrassing. It, it was one of the I can honestly say in um, in the in the 20 years of watching us be be top class, because I think we can say it's it's 20 years, 1998, 94, 95. That was the most um, supine to use a word I don't really understand what it means. The most uh, um, uninvolved, dispassionate performance i have ever seen and uh um and hazard unfortunately as you say uh um i would I, I would suspect would be would be thinking get me out of this unless of course mm-hmm. unless of course they think that um that they're all aware that conti will be off in the summer in which case it's you know we start again with another manager who will give me a different run out but uh we can't, we can't do that anymore. I mean, having said that, of course, you know, if we beat Barcelona, everything changes, doesn't it? And uh, and but Barcelona, at least, City didn't make any mistakes. Well, we didn't allow them to make any mistakes. Um, whereas Barcelona handed handed us several things on a plate and allowed William to play. So it was different tactically. But that was um, that was just bizarre.
0: Well, I mean, you know, I, you know, I said it worked against Barca, and and in a sense, it worked because we should have won three nil. We ended up drawing one one. But even and of course, William had a lot of space and chances, but the reality is is that the game bypassed Hazard totally, and he looked just as pissed off against Barca. The number of times I saw him sort of flounce about yeah, because true. he was trying to challenge for headers and things. I mean, Marco, the reality is is that, he, that, he's, that he's not a number nine, and it's a, just a, a complete a waste of his talents. And I mean, you know, particularly when we were playing 5-4-1, four, four, more of which later, but he was so isolated and I think, given that the way City played... Uh, you know they pressed us very very high up which meant we couldn't play through the midfield play from the back through the midfield we were hoofing it up and of course that was even more stupid I had a really interesting chat with Gion uh, Marco before before we went on air Mm. uh, because of course the obvious thing would be to have played uh, Giroud or or dare I say it Morata and of course I wondered I wondered you know if Conte felt that I don't think he. I don't think he likes Giroud because I don't think he thinks Giroud has enough pace, but but can hold the ball up. Whereas Morata has got loads of pace but falls over all the time. And I wonder if that kind of makes him defer to, well, better the devil I know. And I think it works. And maybe it's a trial out for Barcelona. What I mean, why why would he why would he a pick Hazard in that role, and then B, not change it? I don't. Know. <laughs> This is the sixty-four million dollar question, isn't it? Well, isn't it? Isn't
3: no, it? No, no, nobody knows the answer to. Um, uh, you know, I've just I've had the, the 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 sense, the growing sense for the last few weeks um, that, as you've already mentioned, I think the players potentially know um, that Conte's not going to be there, um, and I've tried to sort of kick myself that. Um, you know, every time we go we, we, we play a decent team, right? This is the one where we're really gonna rate ra- you know, raise the bar, play play to our strengths, you know, Hazard playing in his normal position, drifting in from the left, all those good things, the Maratta of the early part of the season, let's not forget that. Um and and nothing. It's almost like, you know, and Conte just stood there, surly faced. On, on the touchline, um, I think part of the reason, you know, just picking up on what JK said there about um, never having witnessed anything like that in in twenty years, I, I genuinely think part of that reason is, you know, and and I, and I, I love quetta to bits, but but he's not he's not the man for the, for that type of moment to galvanise the players, to pull them together. Um, You know, you you wouldn't, I mean, I know we've sort of done it to death, but you wouldn't have seen um, that kind of lackadaisical strolling around, you know, even when it was 1-0 down and really not giving a toss, um, you know, making Man City look like Brazil. And I hear everything that's been, you know, they are a brilliant football side, but they didn't deserve half the respect that we... Showed them yesterday, and you telling me that, um, you know, if that had been Liverpool or Spurs playing City, that they'd have um, played, you know, been set up and played in that way just wouldn't have happened, um, you know, and that's the most galling thing, and I think, you know, for Hazard to be caught up in all of that, um in the midst of all the speculation over his contract is ridiculous. You know, he, he is in the top five players in the world. Um, you know, if he has a decent World Cup, his currency is only going to increase. Uh, and and you know, where, where are Chelsea in all of this? Um, you know, we, we just don't know. And that's um, the most frustrating it. thing.
0: It, it is it is worrying. I mean, I I I'm kind of glad I've come to Joe last. I mean, Joe knows that we 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 <laughs> kind of whizz it around like this. But there is method in the madness for once, Joe, because you know, as always, I I always look out for what you have to say on Twitter because you usually you know you've got some pretty tranchant views on all of that. And I know you you feel very strongly about uh, the misuse of hazard against City yesterday, don't you?
1: Yeah, and I mean, I think the, the the one thing I'd like to address is that this this concept of of the false nine i mean it, it's the way he's he's being played i think he's maybe played there four times in in big games this season for i mean the a basic summation of the false nine is is a forward who tends to drop very deep into midfield and you know the question is then for the center backs do they do they press onto him and leave space and, and the whole idea being that you know you can create a gap on the left or right center back for a winger to kind of cut in behind That's, that's the whole purpose of the formation yeah if you watch Hazard yesterday, he's he's just he's not a force line, he's playing as a centre forward. Yeah. He's on the absolutely. last line of the defender, he's being asked to challenge for headers. He's what, five foot seven? You know, City's uh you know, City's two centre. He's smaller
0: but... than me for Christ's yeah, sake. I've got a you know, photograph to prove it. It's ridiculous. You know,
1: and, and it's not even the the fact that we're, we're trying to use him in this slightly intelligent manner where he's being asked to drop deep. For me, he's being asked to play to play like Didier Dropper, yeah. which I think is yeah. is insane. Um you know, I get, you know the Barcelona game, that this game today. I mean, you are I mean, personally, I think this this is Conte's way of saying that he doesn't trust Hazard to play as a uh, left winger against big teams because you know he doesn't track back. Yeah, because he doesn't run around like a headless chicken for for ninety minutes. You know, that's not something that Hazard's going to do. Um, so it's a bit like the. You go back to playing in the playground as a kid. You normally stick the, the rubbish kid up front because you know that they're, they're less likely <laughs> to get in the way of, of the team. And is that why I played up front? I would say so, did, yeah. <laughs> I <never knew> <laughs> yeah.
0: I never knew that. I never knew that. It's it's a it's a
1: common it's a common tactic. Yeah, four three three I'm, and then I wasn't, one, I wasn't, one random I wasn't, guy up front. Yeah. But
0: um, I wasn't fat enough to play in goal, which would have been the other option, I suppose. Happy, <laughs> exactly, yeah. But it, it's you know it's it's this really.
1: I think it's just a way of, of of Conte managing and just saying, well, you know, Hazard's. Hazard's on the pitch but you know you see Willian and Pedro are both given responsibility because I think you know in terms of their work rate I think they're clearly that they work hard on Hazard but so the point that I think a lot of people making is is Hazard is by far probably one of the best wide playmakers in, in world football playing from the left wing and to to purposely move him from the most damaging position I mean think back to the game he played against last season he didn't play up front last season he played on the left wing and, and in that second half he was he was absolutely incredible. One of the best performances Hazard has put in for Chelsea, playing yeah. as a left winger, you know, and it, and all of a sudden, okay, you know, we can talk about the centre-forward situation, but you now have a, a manager who's been complaining about a lack of number nines for, uh, you know, as long as I can remember this season. He puts two on the bench and then asks a diminutive playmaker to, to not to not play in a, an intelligent way, not to come deep, try and drag the centre-backs out of the way. He, he asks him to to, to be Didier Drogba, and I just find it very confusing that our our main tactics seem to be chip the ball up to Hazard and and hopefully he can beat two gigantic centre-halves and and maybe make something out of the game. But, you know, I think maybe if if you combine together his time under Mourinho and Conte, he's never quite had a manager at Chelsea who just completely kind of cut cut the reins loose on him. And I think maybe this season in particular, you know, I don't think you have to be a body language expert to kind of see what Hazard felt when he got substituted you know I think maybe this is just a, a kind of culmination of, of playing under two very kind of defensive pragmatic managers um, who who seemingly are, 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 un, are I don't know they're, they're kind of afraid to give him the, the responsibility or, or the reins to the team but I'm not saying that, that in most cases we're, we're not built up to play towards Hazard's strengths you know I, I was looking at some some of the analytic stuff after this game and you know he makes the most attacking passes he makes them and it, but he also does the most with the ball so you know when you're the player who on the ball does the most when you're a player who's actually making the most attacking passes the only thing he's not doing is crossing the ball to himself i mean you know it's he is pretty much the the main outlet that we have and the fact that we in whenever we seem to play in big games that we we cater towards the opposition um and the other thing just just to sort of close this point up is that after the game I mean you listen to Conte's explanation of his tactics it's it's always how do we stop the opposition how do we stop them playing how do we stop their midfield how do we it's it's never us you know how do we attack them what what are their weaknesses what are we going to do to address them it's I I, I don't think really that the you know Hazard's uh kind of way of playing football he's a very kind of happy-go-lucky very much an enjoyable player you know I don't think it it meshes well with with Conte's philosophy on football where I think ideally he would have you know, a, a team full of uh, very workman-like players who who can follow his tactics to the absolute letter of the law. And, you know, when when we've seen him with Juventus, you know, that, that kind of style of football, I mean, he was having, I think in one of the seasons he won the league, his top goal scorer was a midfielder with 10 goals. So he's not there to to play this sort of attacking style of football. He's there to just almost keep it tight, keep everything very efficient, very effective. But yeah, I mean, you know, if you look at... Um, has his disillusionment. I think it, it just stems down to the, the style of football that we're playing under Conte and, and just the use of him in big games. I think he wants to turn up. I think he, he wants to show up and, and show off. And uh, it's almost impossible when you're you're kind of asking, uh, you know, a five foot seven guy to, to be Didier Drogba or Diego Costa. You know, it's not going to work. And to your point against Barcelona, again, I think you're absolutely right, Chich. You know, I think as as a team that the the structure we put in place worked, but that was not really in any way, shape or form down to Hazard's uh, performance on the evening. It was more to do with I think that they completely uh, undervalued the contribution of William and gave him far too much space for the for the game. Whether that's the same in the in the Camp Nou, I doubt it. But you know, I, I don't think we can go there and play Hazard as a lone forward and expect to get anywhere near the kind of result that we need.
0: Uh, well, yeah, well said, Joe. Very, very full answer, and I expect nothing less. I, I, I just wonder before we 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 go to the break, which we really must do, chaps. But uh, you know, I think it speaks volumes. Just picking up on one of the things that Joe was saying, you know, that Conte plays Hazard there tells me that he doesn't have confidence in either Giroud or or Morata, because if we had Diego Costa or even Didier Drogba back in the day available to the current manager. There is no doubt in my mind that he would have played either of those two and not done what he did. Marco, would you think? Would you agree with that?
3: Well, I would, but I mean that that you know all all of that just makes the whole situation even weirder in respect of you know Chelsea signing Giroud in the first place. I mean, was that done with any kind of consultation with, with, <laughs> with Conte? Um, you know, it's bizarre it really is
0: it is isn't it you know and, it,
3: and it is, it, isn't it? even even to the point um, you know 2 or 3 weeks ago everybody was clamoring for um hudson adoy to uh, be be given a start um, you know and he didn't do you know that that didn't happen um, so it, it's i don't know it's it's just bizarre it's like I'd, I'd just love to unscrew conte's head <laughs> and find out what exactly is going on in there, because um, it is well, bizarre.
0: After the break, we're going to do just that because I've actually got his entire—well, not his entire press conference—written uh, out. But I've got some really interesting things that he said about that, which I think, you know, contextually will work with very much of what we want to talk about uh, in a minute. Um, finally, Jonathan, do you think he'll go? By the way, hazard, um, has, the
2: he, has it? Well, mm. no, it? he might be waiting on the club saying to him, the manager won't be there. And and they might have told him who's coming, in which case they might all be hanging on for that. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I know I, you can speculate, can't you? But in the, in the meantime, yeah. you'll be getting onto it. Um, he just seems to be making ridiculous statements. And it all points to me that, you know, that he, I mean, you know, with, with my knowledge, my previous knowledge that everybody complains about. Yeah, he's definitely <laughs> on the way. He's definitely on the way. We know he's on the way, but, well, but you know, if he point, does, if he, he does go, ju- sorry, mate, go on. No, we going to say, presuming that isn't there, you could still deduce from what's going on that it's, that it's clearly in a dreadful state. I mean, what would, what's the situation like if we, if in actual fact, he had nothing to do with Giroud's purchase and then he chooses the team and decides he doesn't want to play him. And you think, well, why did they buy him in the first place Then I You know, know. It's is it, all a bit bonkers, it's, isn't it, it's, 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 um, it, it, it's, a, it's basically a completely untenable situation, and, I, and I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I don't know anything about whether it's to do with um, compensation, not getting rid of him. But if you remember, uh, um, Villas Boas was, was sacked after Napoli, and then you, you know we did wonderful. Which was
0: later that. than it is now. That was deep it, it into was, March absolutely. when AVB so got sacked. Uh, yeah. you know,
2: There's hope whether for the you yet, Jonathan. Him, from a financial let's point hope, of view. Hope for you, you yet. Yeah, thank you for him. Well, yeah, no, but I didn't say it would happen early. It was always the case he'd be going in the summer. But you know, if he he seems to be um, making ridiculous statements that I I wouldn't be dissing my employer all the time. I don't. I think it's completely absurd. You know, with once again with the knowledge that I have that he was doing it in the summer and he didn't want to be in the club in the summer, the whole of this makes great sense. I mean, my despair is that since January we appear just to have. Lost nearly every game we've played.
0: All right, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna run it down because we're gonna go to the break and then uh, and then we're gonna talk more, much more about this in a minute, including what Conte said after the presser. We'll be back in a sec. The only place for Chelsea fans, FootballFanCast.com. Real fans, real opinions.
3: I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chels.
0: OK, uh, well, welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge, and uh, you're listening to the Chelsea Fancast. And I'm delighted to have, as ever, Mr. Jonathan Kidd with me on the show tonight. Live. Live. And uh, Jonathan is 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 always live, even if he's not. If you see what I mean. And we 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 I'm, have I'm never the, dead, uh, to it.
2: not yet anyway.
0: No, we don't. Well, we've got also got the, the fabulously erudite uh, Mr. Mark Warrell, and I, I should say, Mark's too too much of a nice, humble chap to, to 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 do this. So I will say, Mark's written a brilliant article on all of this shambles for ESPN today. Uh, If you don't follow him um, at Gate17Marco, then do so now on Twitter and find his article. It's an absolute cracker. Marco, brilliant to have you on the show, as always. Cheers, mate. And last, but by no means least, uh, we have the ever so tactically adept and thoroughly knowledgeable Mr. Joe Tweeds. Evening, Titch. Tactically adept. (laughs) <laughs> tactically erudite indeed Mark lots of erudition on the show tonight apart from yours truly um now what I can tell you uh, and Heon will kick me if I don't say this in every part but uh uh we've really we're really going for it on the old Chelsea fancast website at the moment and uh you know Heon puts loads and loads of great stuff up but we're, we're recruiting an army of people and and the, and uh, Heon put a shout out uh, last week on Twitter and the response was fantastic and uh We've got loads of people sending us articles and I should thank you all, all of you who've done so, so far. I, I can't remember you all. I think Tom Gott did one and uh, Nick did one for which I hugely, hugely say thank you very much. It's great stuff. Uh, and Heon is incredibly appreciative too. But do check it out, chelseafancast.com. There's always some good stuff on there. Uh, Clayton Beerman, who you'll know and love from the show, has just mm-hmm. sent us one. And, uh, and I will also be very remiss. Uh, he- Heon asked me uh to ask you joe he said he said would you ask joe very very nicely if he would ever write something for us and i said to he i said he's far too important and clever to write for us but i promise i'll <laughs> ask him Hion. uh yes i will yeah maybe
1: in the next one to two weeks i've got some time so yeah
0: hey well, there you go. If you don't ask, you don't get. There you go, Keon. You've just made a, a young man in Wales very, very happy. I think he's a big admirer of yours, Joe. That's possibly no, he, why, he's a, yeah, why he's he yeah. He's an asked. excellent,
1: excellent writer. Yeah, I like him a lot he the, is, the stuff he, he, he puts out. Yeah, very, very oh, no, timely. He's
0: a fan of yours, that's for sure. Alright, on we go. Um, you know, I, I did an article. I don't write half as good as Marco and the likes of Joe, but uh, for some reason, people let me write for them, probably because I've got a big Twitter following. It's all about that. But I wrote one uh, last night after the game which uh, anybody who writes after a game where we've lost will instantly understand how I felt afterwards, which is, I wish I hadn't written that. Strangely, Yahoo haven't put it up yet, so perhaps they feel the same way. <laughs> um, but, but I have to say, <laughs> I mean, because it was all about ambition or, or lack of it, really. And, uh, you know, that that seemed to me to be very much the big theme that, uh, that I wanted to, to pick up. But I think it's a much broader... Subject than we perhaps uh, w- would you know realize at first glance, you know, because I have to be honest. I mean, you know, I tell you what. Well, I'll start with this. I- I'll be honest. I was absolutely, absolutely shocked, really shocked by the complete and utter, universal. It has to be said, universal meltdown on on social media last night. And I know we take the piss out of it every week, and we say, oh, well, as, you know full of nappy shitters and nutters and all the rest of it, and they all play FIFA and they don't know what they're talking about. But this was different. This was universal. I mean, I've got a lot of mates on Twitter, some of whom I know very, very well, some of whom whom are as long in the tooth as I am. And actually, there was a universal uh, meltdown about what they've witnessed and and the awfulness of it, which really surprised me because, you know, yeah, it wasn't great. I'm not an idiot. I know what I saw. But I, I was really overwhelmed by the, 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 the you know the just the sentiments that were coming out because I said it on the show ages ago I, I actually always thought that he would he would in a sense use the City match as a trial for the Barcelona match and you know frankly yes I know we want to, to win every match and all the rest of it but we said again on the show a couple of weeks ago we've got 11 games left we've got Man United and Man City away current form we're in at the moment they're going to be really tough to get a result out of We've absolutely got to beat Liverpool and Spurs at home, and the rest are all very, very winnable. So not getting a result at City was no disgrace in many respects, considering how good they are as well. So, yeah, we were we were underdogs is what I'm kind of saying. So I wasn't surprised that he did that. However, and this is the however, and I think this is the, the meat in the, uh, you know, the meat in the, the beef in the sandwich, if you like, the steak sandwich. What I didn't expect was... was for us to play so negatively uh and with 5-4 I mean we were playing 5-4-1 which was comical at, st- at times I mean when they were like walking around like statues which was very Arsenal and Gary Gary Neville went to town on that but Jonathan I know, I know you hammered into this in part 1 so I'll kick off with you it, was it is it is it the, is it is it that lack of ambition that they showed, I mean, you know, or, or, or is it the lack of fight, or, or, or what? what? Or is it the negative tactics? Because there was something that really stuck in people's craw on social media yesterday that I, I was surprised by, I'll be honest with you.
1: Well,
2: It's a combination of things to me. We, we played as if um, we were in the bottom four, playing against the top six club and giving it away and not caring about it. You know, it's like when they say, well, it doesn't matter how we do against this team because they're not important. The next more important game of the next three later on um, against lower clubs, which is, um, once again, I'll say it, I've I've never seen Chelsea play like that. Um, uh, I also think it's a combination of things now because we've won four out of 15 since January. And um, to me, this this is sackable. The way that the board had been dealing with every manager since Abramovich came in and nothing has happened and i think it's the it's the pusillanimous performance which has affected everybody on twitter and i have to say i think it's completely justified because that really was clueless and the the site there was that terrible moment which uh um was, was even uh, was pointed out wonderfully by some people on twitter where um one of the City players had the ball and stood there. And Fabregas went up to him and stood there. And they both stood there for several seconds till the ball was then passed back by the City player and passed back to him again as they kept doing. They kept doing that really crappy thing of almost saying, look how how in charge we are. I can pass the ball to my teammate nine times. None of you will come in and tackle us or make any effort. And some bloke, wrote her completely, just put the picture of Fabregas standing there on Twitter with um, what the effing C effing is this, and had hundreds of, of retweets because it was utterly useless, and the fact there was no uh, involvement, now I don't care what Conti says about tactics, um, there has to be some engagement, and then all just going to stand off, particularly, I think, what got in everybody's crawl was the fact that we were 1-0 down. And when we were 1-0 down and we played exactly the same as we had done, that's like watching the FA Cup with the fourth division team playing um, against us. When they don't change the pattern, they just try and get a goal on the break and they don't make any effort to, to, try to change it at all. And and for me, that was that made it totally justified for the meltdown on Twitter. And I don't think it's about tactics. I don't people. Oh, no, we you know, we don't. We want Chelsea to be attacking. It's not about uh, attacking. It's Uh about it's about tactically engaging to do something rather than just saying, well, they're better than us and we don't care. And we did well to make it one nil. Him then saying three, you know, it would have been three nil or four nil with all the other teams who attack is absolutely appalling. And a low for watching Chelsea for me, that was. That really mm. was.
0: Well, I, you know, I, I, I'm inclined to agree with some of that. I'll I tell you what really irked uh, me. I mean, you know, at 0-0 uh, playing the best team in the league by a country mile and to set up defensively to try and, you know, nick a goal. I, I don't have a problem with that. Chelsea... Chelsea have built a reputation around Europe for doing that successfully for for 15 years so yeah. i think it's hypocritical of us to 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 dig that out the real problem that i had was that the minute you go 1 nil down you have to change yeah. it because now now you know now you've got to try and get a goal back or you've got to try and go on and win it or i mean you know at least try and get a draw a 1-1 and the fact that he didn't change it marco until the 77th minute, when he brought uh, Giroud on, and, and in my opinion, as I said quite pissily on Twitter, he, he, he brought Giroud on for William, where I think it was crying out for Giroud for Pedro, yeah. so uh, the issue I have is that he failed to change it, Marco, when we went a goal down, and I think, I think perhaps that's where the issue of damage limitation comes to the fore, does it not?
3: Yeah, I mean, it's that, that whole thing. It's an interesting analogy that um, J.K. makes there, it's just about thinking back to when Chelsea played some some of the lower league teams um, at, at, at the bridge, um, and thinking back to that famous game with um, Bradford City, where we, we were 2-0 up at half-time, and their manager so obviously decided, right, well... We might as well lose ten nil um, and go out and give it a go, and they won four two. You know, and, it, and it's that kind of attitude um, that that combined with poor use of substitutes, which, to be honest with you, I don't think Conte's really covered himself in glory no. when it comes to substitutions for quite some time now. Um, all of those things mixed together um, combined with that secret ingredient about, you know, w- whether or not he's actually, I mean, he, there's no way. He's just not going to be the Chelsea manager come August, is he? I think everybody knows that. Um, and, and you know, you have to wonder on, on the basis that we would all sit here and go, is Conte going to be the manager of Chelsea next August? no. So are we all therefore admitting that we're not going to progress in the Champions League? We're not going to uh, win the FA Cup? Are we just sort of admitting all that? Maybe we are because that's what, that's what that team looked like yesterday. Um, you know, we went 1-0 down and that's it. It's the same every, every time we've gone behind against teams, you know, Bournemouth and bloody Watford are not Manchester City. But we go behind against those teams. Nothing changes. Heads drop. That's it. Um, game over. Unbelievable. Um, you know, and and totally unacceptable to be honest with you. So I, I just I just don't get it. It's just weird to be honest with you. And and the weirdest mm. the weirdest thing about the whole situation, um, you know, th- there's not even. Uh, a Michael Emanalo figure hovering in the background to 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 castigate and blame for 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 poor transfers or uh, interfering with the youth development strategy. So so there's nobody. It's just Conte um, who has to suffer, as he likes to say, and carry the can for uh, everything that's that's going on at the moment, and whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. I don't know, but that's the way it is. And I don't see it it changing um, without, you know, changing the order and getting him out and getting a new man.
0: Mate, I tell you what, we'd need a 10 hour show to, to get to discuss all of the problems that I think that are lying under the surface at the club at the moment. Uh, maybe one day we'll do it. A Marathon Chelsea fan cast. I mean, Joe, you know, Mark, Mark, I know, kind of alluded to it in what he just said, and I know he said it on Twitter, and, and I think he kind of alluded to it in his article as well, but there was a sense that, you know, we'd, we'd rather have a go uh, at City and end up losing, you know, 4-1, or as Marco said, 6-2, than, than than you know, limply accept a 1-0 defeat City. But I think there's another side to that. And, and as I said, you know... Th- I'm just trying to bring a little bit of balance to this. I know that we are really sore the fact that we lost, but, you know, uh, we did keep City out for much of the match. Um, They didn't really have that many clear-cut chances either. They had 902 passes, which is apparently a a Guinness World Record. I mean, he gives a shit. I mean, I've never loved (laughs) possession stats either because I think they're completely pointless. And the reality is, is that... For for most of the match, we actually, we had good shape, but we just used the ball uh, poorly, particularly in the first half. And, you know, if you're going to play out from the back, don't pass it backwards like we were. And then don't hoof it up to an, you know, so that that, I don't think we played brilliantly, but, you know, it's not all doom and gloom, I don't think. And I think the point that I'm really trying to to make is this, is that, yeah, you know, we could have gone for it. Okay, and we could have got humped, and Conte kind of meant said that when he was, you know, having a go back at that complete village idiot, Jamie Redknapp. You know, against Man United, in fact, this is what he said he says, Against Man United, Man City, I'm not so stupid, you can end up losing 3 0. Uh, and you know, basically, you've got to use your brain against them. So, I just wonder, Joe, you know, had we gone for it and got humped like Arsenal did would we still not be going potty saying what a bloody idiot you know you we've got we we left ourselves open and we got absolutely you know rinsed i mean you know is there a sense that you know what's the word damned if you do damned if you don't that's the point i want to make
1: well i mean yeah i mean 100 percent on on that respect um i mean i think the, the the one huge issue i had with the the setup of the team is that i mean By now, teams should know how City press and and there are ways to to circumvent their pressing. There are ways to try and get around that. And I think one of the ways that we've kind of said is if you have a target man, you just sort of bypass everyone and go slightly Wimbledon and and hope that the ball sticks if Giroud or Morata or whatever. But it it seemed to me that we were so kind of unprepared in that first half for what City were going to do that, as you said, we were kept passing the ball back to Courtois. I think Courtois had more touches of the ball than most of our players. And we ended up just sort of...
0: What was his pass completion like? I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, pro- pro- probably
1: enough to be in the city midfield, but um, yeah, I mean, he was, uh, you know, just 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 aimlessly lumping the ball. And I, I do I do think Conte would have a point if we had been set up to counter and if we had had any sort of uh, resemblance of an attacking threat. Because I don't think really, I mean, being being completely brutally honest, we looked as if we had any intentions of crossing the halfway line for most of the game. Um, and I, t- I take your point about City uh, not necessarily creating much, but I think the point is that they they stepped it up for about a minute after half time scored a goal and then I mean we we went to the you know the home of home of city as champions and we we let them effectively walk around for an entire half of football which you know I think is that 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 for me is the is the really difficult thing to swallow is that you you haven't even made them work for the result I think that they they didn't need to get out of second gear um, you know then to your point about the the, the kind of endless passing Guardiola is incredibly uh, famous for this. Uh, uh, he calls it kind of a uh, resting or resting possession, which is effectively why you see them pass the ball from left to right, um, you know, and, and not really looking to advance it, because they have an incredibly busy schedule coming up, and it just basically just gives them a game off. So where we've kind of, you know, been been very much under pressure, we've been very much stressed to keep in the same positions, we've had all the mental stress and running around, etc., etc., City probably barely broke sweat in that game, and, and that was the entire intention for them. As soon as they saw that... Actually, do you know what? They, A, they can't deal with how we're trying to press them. But B, there's absolutely no ambition here from them to attack. Then we can just keep the ball and, and we'll just pass it around up our, our defence and midfield. And you know, the, I think J.K.'s point about when David Silver was just standing on the ball with Fabregas walking up to him, kind of sort of encapsulated the entire approach to the game. Uh, Silver even looked slightly embarrassed for uh, for Fabregas as Fabregas made his way over to him. So, um,
0: you know, the I quickest mean, yeah. that Fabregas, Fabregas ran all day, to be yeah, fair, Joe. Yeah. I mean, quickest, look, quickest I, I think, well. <laughs> exactly. I mean, look, I think again, you know, this is the I think this is a fault of all, all supporters of every club in the world is that we only ever see one team out there. And I have to say, and it pains me to say it, but I, I think that what Pep's done, Pep poop Guardiola, and by the way, just in case you wondered, I have to say this on record, Pep is still bald, all right? But um you know what he's done at City I think is is quite phenomenal because he's got them playing like I think Barcelona played at their height. And this is the thing that everybody used to forget about Barcelona. It was all about Messi and the tick attacker and all of that. But they all forgot that actually what Barcelona were brilliant at was to press the ball really high. And you had two or three Barcelona players like flies around shit as soon as you got the ball. And City did that brilliantly yesterday. And I don't think I've ever seen a Chelsea defence and a Chelsea midfield so uncomfortable on the ball for an entire match. I mean, for them, it looked like a hot potato. And, you know, that's why they couldn't get the ball up front and that's why they kept passing it back because they just had no time. They were pressurised out of it. And I I do wonder, you know, and I'm not trying to to mitigate it because I think that, that, you know, I agree with all of you and what you said, but Jonathan, do you think we miss Kante at all? Because he's the one player we have... Who would have pressed them back and and you know nicked the ball, tackled them, won the ball, pressed them, kept the ball as well because he's quite good at doing that too, and I wonder if, if if losing him at short notice screwed up the plans in some respect.
2: Yeah, uh, inevitably because he's one of the best players. If again, he's the best. it's uh, obviously our best defensive midfielder. But yes, but i I'm, I'm still um, uh, totally bemused as to why we still carried on. Uh, Courtois carried on passing the ball to the edge of the area to then panic while three of them pressed because um as we've been saying earlier the just playing a long ball and playing with a with an actual number 9 um stre- stretches that so i i, I it, as you said it it looked as if we weren't prepared for city's tactics which is a- absolutely weird but yes obviously mm. kante is um, is is one of our best players. So yes, it was desperate. In fact, my reaction to hearing that he'd um, he was what did they say he was he was still lying on the team bus, which I felt was slightly unlikely. But uh, had, he, he but, painted
3: um, at the training ground on Friday.
2: Yeah, that's right, that's right. So I don't know why he uh, he even travelled. I'm sure he didn't. It was what they said. But my immediate reaction was, oh, for God's sake! Well, that's the end of that then. You know, because well, what are they gonna what are they gonna achieve? Because i you know for all. I'd love to love him, but Drinkwater is, is very below par for the kind of excellent player we're after, whether he's not, I keep said it last week, he's not achieving what he should be, um, given that he was a, a, a live wire when he played for Leicester, but whether that's because he's so constricted, as I've said this before about the role he's supposed to play. But, um, uh, at the moment, there it, it's not a team that fills you with confidence, knowing that they're underachieving. I'd like to think they're underachieving. I'd like to think that. I think Jonathan, has Jonathan more I think I'm, I'm not convinced. Think, he I, think can, that,
0: I think that that sums it up, doesn't it? That sums up part of the problem and the malaise that we've got. That you know, when you when you lose Cante, you have nobody who can come in and do a job like he can, which tells you that the quality the, the depth that we have qualitatively is is simply not good enough. And I think that that, that that underlines the massive problem that we have. I was going to talk about the defence, but what I'll do instead is, I mean, everybody will be saying, why didn't you talk about Christensen? Because everybody seems to be criticising him for making another mistake, and he's made a few. I mean, look, I'll be honest with you guys. I mean, Marco, my view on it is he's a young player. This is what happens with young players. They make mistakes because they have to, you know, they have to develop and they have to mature. And iron them out of their game. So I, I really wouldn't put the, put, you know, I wouldn't point the finger at him uh, necessarily for making an, another huge rick. I, I, might point the finger at Alonso for not tracking back and covering uh, Bernardo Silva. But uh, do you think, do you think Christensen deserves digging out? I think it's just
3: unfortunate that uh, what is it yeah. in the last three games he, he's uh, dropped a little ricket that's you know brought a goal for the for the opposition. Um, you know, and clearly against Barcelona in that uh, Champions League tie, you know, the ramifications of that, um, I guess, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll find out in um, in a week's time. Um, it's unfortunate, I think, early, you know, since he's come into the side, if we look back to sort of the, the earlier part of the season where he came into the team, um, you know, he was composed um, he's, you know, he's got a cultured attitude to playing the game, which, you know, belies his years. But he's still only 21. And I think, you know, where where, where he's maybe his game's struggling is, you know, the, the, there's nobody there, um, you know, bless uh, Aspilicueta, but there's nobody there to sort of bring him on when, you know, clearly the mood in the camp is no longer what it was um, you know, when he came into the side um, at the start of the season. You know, back then we kind of, you know, we're still buzzing off winning the league title. But that, you know, that seems like light years ago. And, you know, in, in his mind, um, you know, that that mistake he made against Barcelona has probably been playing on his mind. Um, you know, all those things can, can affect a young player. And, and I don't think... Um, Conte doesn't strike me as the kind of guy that has probably been putting his arm around him and going, you know, there, there, it's all right, don't worry, you're playing well, I I, I don't know. Um, And and then all all the while, you've kind of got Gary Cahill sitting on the bench, um, you know, who's been slaughtered, you know, by and large in, in the same way that... Ivanovic was towards the latter stages of his career but he's sitting there thinking you know I I could have done better than that boss you know I'd have brought the the team on they wouldn't have gone down like that whether that's true or not is conjecture but none of that can help um, you know Christensen as a player Um, you know I'm sure he'll look back on it because I I think he's going to have a phenomenal career and you know I hope he has a brilliant World Cup you know I'm, I'm Denmark are my second team for the World Cup because of Christensen. I haven't changed that,
2: so um, he won't be playing. You know, though, um, Marco, he doesn't what? play. He doesn't get into the side. It's the Brentford uh, centre half gets into the side. Really? He, yeah, yeah. He's a substitute. He plays. Uh, I can't remember his name. I know because a mate of mine's a Brentford fan, and hmm. he, he fills me in with these things. He keeps sending me notes saying Christensen can't get in the side. He said because well, because of Brentford centre
3: half's better than him.
2: It, well, who knows? But the guy's older, and chooses him. So uh, yeah, because I couldn't believe it. He said, "No, he doesn't get in. He's on the subs bench every time they play." So,
0: uh, as, I it happens, his name. as it happens, as it happens. Sorry, John. I mean, as it, as it happens, you know, uh, and I think actually a few people who mentioned it on here. You know, the, the sense of the sense and decorum that you get from the mixler people puts everybody else to shame. But you know, I think John Chips Chiverton said he thought the defence was superb. I, I happen to agree. I think that they were they were very good. For most of the game and um and actually Bob Ouzray says he says I thought that that um Christensen was more unlucky yesterday than making a mistake and I think those are valid points I'm going to move this on because we're, we're you know waffling on as we do um Conte's future I mean it you know a lot a lot of that was being brought into sharp focus uh yesterday particularly on social media after the match and as I said again from uh quite surprising sources I mean you know the 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 older wiser heads weren't Spitting their dummies out of the, you know, mouths of the, and, and from the pram, but uh, they were all saying, I think fairly like Marco and Jonathan were earlier on. I mean, fairly resigned to the fact that he's not going to be not going to be here come the end of the season. I, I've got got five very simple questions. You'll be delighted. To know. I'm going to hit you all with them now, and then we can kind of have have a quick chat about it. I mean, I think really it boils down to this: Does he want to be at Chelsea? Has he lost the players? Has he lost the supporters? I think more importantly, if we if we lose Conte, who on earth do we get to replace him? And then I think finally, isn't this all a bit just a you know, isn't this all an overreaction? Who knows? I'm going to start with Joe. Um, you can answer any one of those or all of them, Joe. Uh,
1: God. Um, okay. So, I mean, I, I don't think he he wants to be here anymore. Um, I mean, that, that's just a, a personal opinion. Um, I think the the resignation on his face, the. The attitude on the on the, the the touchline just reflects someone who is, you know, I don't want to say he's begging for the sack, but I mean, there's obviously a huge financial ramification if he gets sacked or whether he walks. Um, you know, the the comments about the the club from from the summer until now, um, you know, kind of every single week there is a new way to either dig out the quality of the playing staff or or the the people who are buying the players, etc. and You'd have to wonder, I mean, in a a kind of normal environment, if you were working under those conditions, you probably would have walked um, some time ago if you were voicing that level of displeasure. Um, And yeah, I mean, I I think probably that he would like to go, but I do think that there's a financial element there. I I do think now that he's probably lost the players, um, you know, you look at some of the opinions that that the players have said, either directly or indirectly about his tactics this season, you've had William, you've had Hazard, Courtois, Fabregas, etc., all pretty much saying, you know, we can't keep playing this defensive style of football if you want to win matches. And then, you know, it's, it's almost kind of a, a an indication that, that they're not hugely um, aligned with with Conte and how Conte wants to develop develop the squad. Um, and I think after the the Manchester City game, you know, whether Fabregas is is walking to the ball or the fat hazard just sort of ignores Conte as he walks off, you know, these are not the signs of of a team that's that's very well aligned with the manager. You look at Guardiola after the game with Leroy Sané, you know, hugging him and, and really sort of getting into him, you know, encouraging him, et cetera. Whereas Conte this season, um, I think actually the the question I'll probably add on to this is, I mean, who, who, who has improved this season? If you, look at, if you look at last season, you know, you could say Victor Moses goes from a journeyman into being a key component of a title winning side. You could see Conte's improvement on the ball. Whereas I think this season, I look at players and I think, you know, Morata's gone backwards. I think Rudiger is remained fairly kind of at the same level. Uh, Bakayoko, you know, from, from that kind of debut against Tottenham, which I felt was quite uh, encouraging, has, has gone backwards. You know, it, the, the same kind of bond that you have with players, I don't think is is there. And I think it reflects in the performances of, of the new players and also the older players as well. Uh, last one I'll answer will be the who will we get question. Um, I think it really depends on whether we get Champions League football or not, Gigi. Um a lot of these sites that do these kind of football predictions and, and stuff like that, they use mathematical probabilities, etc., saying that we've got, at best, a 25% chance of getting top four. Um, whether that's accurate or not, I don't really pay too much attention to, but obviously these are these are things that go into betting odds, etc., so probably fairly fairly uh, on, the, on the money. Um, you know, If we go to Europa League, that, that obviously impacts the level of player that we can attract. I think it means that certain players will probably leave. And also, I mean, again, if we're looking at going out and attracting a really top-tier manager... I think that changes it, changes it as well. So you know, if if Conte goes, say at the end of the season, I think our, our choices are going to be limited both in terms of quality and and, and also really he wants to come into that squad. I mean, as I said it's it's not a squad of players. It really looks like it's in the ascendancy. Like it's it's packed with quality. A lot of our better players are going to be in their thirties and getting older. It's not a team that's that's filled with with young talent. We don't have that pathway of young players coming from the academy through into the first team. You know that kind of core of. Of players you'd want to have in a, a team that City seem to have between sort of 23 and 26, 27 doesn't really exist. So yeah, you know, if, if and that's I suppose also that's that's a question. If we lose Conte, you know, for maybe maybe the club the reason they haven't got rid of him is that they are thinking you know we we're probably not going to get a manager who is uh, who is going to be on that sort of calibre, who's going to be that sort of level. So you know they they may be looking at the situation and thinking if we if we sack him now, if we get him, get rid of him in the, the season, then the, the prospect of bringing in someone who's as good is you know, it's it's not likely. You know, it's it's the same case with you sell Costa, bring in Murata. You know, you you immediately kind of downgrade the area of the team. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I'm, yeah, I'm I'm not hugely positive about his future. I think the only the only way he remains is if the club feels that they can't get someone better in. Um, whether he'll want to remain in some, I, I don't think so. But um, I, I'm not uh, I'm not hugely positive on him at the moment.
0: Mm, well, uh, fair enough. I mean, there there is a counter argument to that, which a couple of people actually have made. Uh, in fact, the wonderful Steve mower. Uh, and uh, the wonderful Blue in Oz, Russell, I presume, uh, both said that uh, Conte was a top-tier manager last season when we had no Champions League, or, well, uh, after Mourinho, I think you mean. And uh, we got Conte with no Europe, says Steve, so I don't buy the whole Europe thing as far as managers go. If the cash is right, and I think there is that. And I think that we are we are still a big club, and I still think we can attract people, uh, you know, people will want to manage Chelsea for uh, lots of different reasons. I think that the point you make, Joe, about the batshit insaneness that underlines it is, is more spot on. We've got a, a very bits and pieces squad, I think, and that, that's a yeah, that concern. Uh, Marco, Can I chip I mean, in here? Oh, sorry, you should speak to Mark first. Well, no, no, go on. If it's, if it's related to what we just said, yeah, please yeah, do, because I was going to ask Marco about, something different.
2: It's what um, uh, Joe said about um, he's supposed to be an improving manager and I think that oh. was that was part of the uh, of the job description. Really, was that he can make players um, play out of their skins, as you did with the Italy team, um, and uh, he managed to do that last year. As we've established, he made yeah. people put in yeah. a shift that was was supposedly beyond them, and and so <clears throat> you wonder whether the club have thought, all right, we need to get in top players because he will make them into great players as he did last season, and it's been lacking this season, completely. Mm. Oh, sorry, because God, he, God, he
0: wanted saying. top players no no i think that's a valid point mate, <laughs> yes he wanted, I think this the, time the, he wanted the issue is he want he, he wanted, wanted top players and, yeah. and he's throwing his toys out or whatever's going on behind the scenes which none of us really know but clearly something <laughs> might be uh, is that he wanted I, you know I, i've said it a million times that you know it, it staggers me that some of these managers that come in just either they're not given the memo or they don't read the memo we are not the same club that, the, that we were five years ago, maybe longer. You know, the whole model of going out and buying the, the biggest, mar, uh, the most expensive marquee players in the game has gone. We are not doing that. So, you know, if they're coming in expecting uh, checkbook uh, checkbook football, then they've come to the wrong place. And, and maybe, as I said, either he was lied to or he didn't read the memo. But Marco, I, I want to wrap this up with one final question, because one, one that Joe skipped over in his incredibly full answer um do you think that do you think that that Conte is now losing the, the support of the supporters I mean the reality is as you well know is that he gets his name sung loudly and vociferously at every match I mean I know that apparently in the second half yesterday it went a bit quiet on that score but given what they were saying you can understand that I suppose but I mean generally he's had the backing of the supporters supporters are a pretty decent bunch when it comes to Chelsea and managers but do you think he's losing it yeah, definitely.
3: Um, you
0: know, mm. I, I was just looking at um,
3: the, the, the uh, Peter Trenter, who's, uh, who's um, been following Chelsea for, you know, 55 years, bless him. Uh, I thought
0: it was more like 755. Yeah, yeah. But, but you know, P- Peter's always
3: kind of like a, a barometer of... Um, yeah. Um, and, and uh, you, you know, he, he kind of... He's just lost it with content now, Um, and uh, you know, I mean, and in in truth, I think yesterday was kind of a bit of a watershed moment for me as well. Um, You know, I was just watching his demeanour, his body language, um, the tactics, the substitutions. um, You know, and he signed what was it, a nineteen point two million pound contract last July. Um, that's a tidy payoff, isn't it? So you know all the conspiracy theories about him um, engineering the sack. You know you have to start thinking. Well, maybe that's what he's looking to do. I mean, the, the, the only the only completely Chelsea fied aspect to all of this is um, we're all clinging on to to the to the. 2012 memory of you know winning the Champions League and the FA Cup on the back of um, bizarre adversity um, and and maybe the same could happen again but I, I just don't see that happening um, with with Conte at the helm what the alternatives are, um, are you know who knows um, I, I think the fact is. Um, you know, the reality is that the Chelsea of 2012 was almost self-managing um and had been, you know, from kind of you know the the, the time when Amber and Grant was parachuted in there. Um all of that, all of those things don't exist anymore, but we kind of cling to those. It's, there's like a warm, comforting aspect to all of that where we're all thinking yeah, 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 it can happen again. Um, but I'm just not so sure
0: now. And, and no, mate, mate, mate I, I I agree with you. And I said much the same in my article. And yeah, it goes back to what we were saying earlier on, you know, that, that, that in true. days of yore, Chelsea would put in a, 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 a defensive performance and get a result through sheer bloody-mindedness and stubbornness. But awesome. this is not that side. And I, I, like you, don't see it happening again. Listen, I'm just going to feed you, I've just found this on Twitter, Marco. You're going to love this. Um, a v b was sacked in a similar scenario um comparison of the two in the similar season conte's played forty six one twenty four drawn twelve lost ten a v b played forty one nineteen drawn eleven lost ten mm. who knew frightening isn't it you think when you look at it like that but having said that and i think just to underline your point you know a v b did it with a with a much better group of players i would say so exactly. you know it, exactly. you can't compare really um anyway it's all it's you know it ain't gonna happen Marco we're not gonna win the FA Cup of the Champions League are we <laughs> glorious unpredictability it's not gonna happen come on I mean come on mate, I mean you coined the term <laughs> glorious Chelsea! unpredictability you would have to retire it if that happened no <laughs> who knows you just don't know though do you you never know you and never know do you Chelsea you just don't yep. know you just don't know anyway look uh, we're going we're gonna to move this on to part three in a second and actually, uh, I think actually, you know, because one thing came out of this for me and, uh, and I had this kind of weird thought uh, that actually maybe, may, I mean Marco talks of a watershed moment for Chelsea and I, and I wonder if it is in another way because one of the things that I kind of got a real sense of yesterday was that they were fed up with watching negative football and, I, and I've got some theories on that which I'd like to share with you in part three. We will be back in a second.
3: Fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. FootballFancast.com
0: Right, welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge, and uh, you are listening to the Chelsea Fancast. I've got the wonderful Mr. Jonathan Kidd. Well, oh, hey, Mr. Mark Worrell. Buonasera. And the uh, and the wonderful Mr. Joe Tweeds. Evening, kids. All in the house tonight. Uh, and before we go on, uh, a quick reminder for all of you who don't know and don't realise or have found it difficult to read. Okay, I'm being honest here. But do check out do check out chelseafancast.com, uh, which is our website. All the podcasts are on there. Uh, or access to them. Loads and loads of articles. We've got some great writers. We're getting even more. Gion Carbis, who edits the site. Has attracted uh, loads and loads of writers, and we have on record, here on We have Joe Tweed promising us an article. You have succeeded. Your your, your dreams have all come true, Keon. Anyway, moving on with the football. Um, as I kind of said before, we went to the break. You know, I I, I had a I had an interesting thought yesterday. Uh, a lot of it came out of the reaction to you know what was really perceived as a very negative uh, display by Chelsea, and I, and I just wondered really in a sense that that maybe football has changed expectations have changed and you know whilst there is no doubt that we've enjoyed the most successful period in our lifetimes and, and even before that under roman and and it was all built on this kind of rugged stoic against the all odds type of side a lot of power you know the scns drogbers uh, M- Mikel, and all, all these kind of guys uh, and i was saying to joe in the break that you know out of that era, I can only remember a short period when when uh, Arjen Robin was to the fore in Mourinho's first spell, <clears throat> and then in, and then under Ancelotti's uh, term when we won the double did we play really expansive, attacking, cut-and-thrust football that was really exciting and entertaining. Now, I remember us all absolutely not having a problem with that at all. In fact, actually, I remember Chelsea supporters, me included, would wear it as a badge of pride if we'd parked the bus and, and nicked... Nicked a result at the likes of Liverpool or, or Bayern Munich or Barcelona—you name it—it it was great. You know, we'd we'd pissed everybody off. We're anti-football, but we won. We got the result, and in a sense, that was that was what it was all around. But I do think I wonder if if football, certainly in the last three to five years, has changed dramatically, and uh, and I wonder if that's enough for us anymore. I mean, we know that Roman certainly tried to change it by making his Barcelona light. Some would argue that that seems to be the root of our problems now. But I wonder if the likes of City, and even, dare I say it, and and do not send me death threats, but even the likes of Liverpool and Spurs, whilst they haven't won anything, are playing a very attacking brand of football that is quite attractive and exciting to watch. So I wonder if, you know, not only are we in danger of being left behind in terms of our financial uh, ability to compete but if we're being left behind in terms of a philosophy and maybe there is a desire from supporters to change and actually what they do want to see is att- attractive attacking football personally i wouldn't i wouldn't replace any of the football that i saw that most people called negative uh, because of all the trophies we won and i loved winning every one of them but you know and if i want to be entertained I-, I go to the cinema but I kind of, I can. I'm hearing, I'm listening to the people, and this is what I'm hearing. So I wonder if that's that's true. I'm going to start with you, Joe, because it'll pick up from where we kind of left off uh, in the break, really. But I mean, what do you think about all of that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the the landscape of football has, has just changed over the past, as you said, the last three to five years. You look at the kind of the dominant teams in Europe. Your Bayerns, your Madrids, Barcelona, City are up there. PSG, etc. You know, I mean, I would question anyone who maybe isn't a European football fan, if you could name me all of those teams back for, you know, within 20 seconds. I, I don't think anyone really could. You don't know who their defenders are. Maybe you might know the goalkeeper, but it's all about the midfielders. It's all about the attackers. It's all about the wingers. And I think that's, that's just generally where the game is, is trending, um, you know. And I think to the, the main point in, in relation to Chelsea, um, I think, as you say, we kind of, we've never really committed to that, that football. We tried to go down the route with A V B in his project that got parked you know you have this very definitive style of uh or change of style of football that he was trying to implement i think within 18 months we, we had mourinho back as a permanent manager so you know th- th- there can't be any real long-term planning if you've gone from you know the barcelona school of thought to the anti-barcelona school of thought within you know less than two years and i think it's, it's that kind of short-term thinking that Really, I think probably the, this season and maybe even last season with with Conte, um, you know, the, if you look at the the squad and really most of most of the, the, I think the results were based on hearing his formation changes and what he managed to get out of the squad. But I don't think we're really seated to to the way that modern football is going. And you know, to your point about Liverpool and Spurs, you know, if you, if you look at Pochettino, a lot of people will say, oh, yes, you know, they haven't won a trophy. But I think, you know, they're at least on the Facebook that, you know, they have a new, new stadium coming there squad. They've got Harry Kane, they're a homegrown uh, superstar centre forward. They've got a lot, a lot of uh, really great technical players. I think going forward, their future, at least, you know, from if I'm being completely honest, looks a bit brighter than ours. And same with Liverpool. But in both those cases, the question I would ask is, you know, would, would Klopp or Pochettino, have lasted how long they they did um, at Chelsea? I think the the answer is is no. You know, it's the commitment to Klopp's style of football. You know, now that he's he's got uh, Mane, he's got Salah, he's got Firmino. You know they've they've gone and bought this guy from Germany, uh, Naby Keita, who's going to come in in the summer. Who's this fantastic box to box player who's really going to take them onto another level as well. Again, they're another team that seem to uh, have been on our, our coat tabs for maybe the past three to four years. Same with Spurs, and maybe they've just stepped past us now. And 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 you know you look at other team, the way we play. We, we don't really have the ability to to be super defensive anymore. I don't think that we we have the the personnel to to play in that manner. But equally, do we have the the personnel that you know the the midfield to to play this kind of uh, football that City and Spurs are playing? You know the the fact, and I think that you know conversations need to be had at a board level. The fact that we have gone to Manchester City away with with a midfield of Danny Drinkwater and Cesc Fabregas against the, probably the best team that will play this season, for me that that's just an indictment of of, of where the squad is and, and and where the club is as as a in this kind of, I don't know, if, if if we've even entered the rebuilding phase yet, we just seem to have kind of stumbled from a, a very commanding title win to a position where, again, we, we don't have a definitive brand of football. I couldn't tell you what, what this squad is going to look like in two years' time. I couldn't tell you what style of football it's going to look like in two years' time. And, I mean, bringing it back to, obviously, one of my favourite topics is, is the academy. You know, if you, you look at the style of football that the academy plays compared to the first team. How are these guys going to jump from a team that plays this sort of fantastic attacking football into a team where they're expected to to stand in their position for 90 minutes while Manchester City passed the ball around them. I mean, it's there's not a, a huge connection across the club. You know, you see with City their their academy side, their first team plays in exactly the same way, same with a lot of these really, really top sides, Bayern and, and Madrid and Barcelona. There's there's a common footballing philosophy that kind of underpins everything at the club. And I just don't think we have that at, at, at Chelsea. You know, Emanalo, for all his faults, uh, you know, did did bring in some really good players. And we, we allowed them to slip away. The De Bruyne's, the Lukaku's of this world, the Salas you know, maybe we just need more football people at the club, Church. but I think looking uh, towards next season, particularly if if we're not in the uh, Champions League, you know, there is, a, I think, a general, I'd say a general comment or a general feeling among Chelsea fans that we needed to add some significant starting quality to this team and and are we going to be able to attract that by being a Europa League side? You know, you, you see a lot of the reports in the papers at the moment linking players to other teams. I mean, we're not being linked to anyone because I think there's a lot of uncertainty around the manager, around the club, the direction, et cetera. So, you know it's 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 a little bit worrying to see us you know in, in a time where we probably need to have a very very clear direction and and clear philosophy of, of what we want to be over the next sort of maybe three to five years that we're absolutely lacking in in that department you know commercially it's fine all these fantastic commercial deals and the amount of money we're bringing in from Nike and Carabao and whoever but if that's not reflected by uh, by performances on the pitch then what's the point you know one of my favorite favorite comments is a, a book on Ajax's uh, academy system was that you know every decision at that club is there to, to increase the excellence of, of on-the-pitch performances. So if even if you're buying a printer, it's, you know, it has to be the best printer because it has to be whatever, you know, that <laughs> has to – I mean, it goes down to that level of detail. And I don't think we have that, that mindset at the club. We, you know, we're, we're happy to go out and get I think,
0: these... I think we've got one of my old printers, Joe, judging yeah, by exactly, what I'm saying. Exactly, yeah.
1: But you know we we haven't we've gone out and got all these fantastic commercial deals and you know that's excellent but but where is that being reflected in in the squad you know we've gone out and bought the a sort of second tier maybe third tier players and and have hoped for the best and yeah you know it's it's it all comes back to a common theme I think, George, that there's there's a lack of football people that have. Uh, have the the
0: right level of input there's no vision exactly there's there's no vision basically i think is what what you're saying and i mean i think i think the the worrying thing joe um, joe that's lovely brilliant stuff (laughs) my god you've earned if you you were getting paid tonight you would have earned your money uh shame you're not getting paid i'm not sure that hang hang on jonathan i'm going to ask you a question and and i and i i absolutely basically picking up from what you were telling me in the break but you know if if all of what joe says is true and i actually i happen to think it is and we need to kind of in a sense change and and rebuild and build something how on earth are we going to do that as if as i said we are no longer in a, a world where we can compete financially with the biggest and the best we can't just go and rip it up start again by buying loads of people can we jonathan well
2: it goes against um, everything that i'm hearing from the whole setup within the club and one of the advantages of being uh, um uh, uh venison pie eating uh, hospitality member and once again i go on about this when i first got the ticket it wasn't hospitality bates made it into a hospitality area and i'm uh it doesn't matter I'm, we love you anyway I'm, I'm still Jake, sitting. And i know but, for those you. who don't those who think you know i'm a i'm a posh bastard um <clears throat> I, I i don't spend my money on anything else in life i don't drink or smoke or go out with lewd women and um consequently i'm um uh, uh able to pay the uh vast amounts necessary to allow me to have a manservant and be carried to my seat. But (laughs) one of the, one of the perks of doing that is um, you get invited to uh, um, uh, marketing discussions and uh, um, like um, uh, having the ground, the brilliance of the new ground explained to you um, and how superb it's going to be and how their aim is to be competing with United and how they're looking for more market, marketing avenues. I mean, I agree with you completely. If they're going to be in the Europa League, it, it doesn't uh, go down very well with um, uh, with this sense of huge financial achievement. But um, uh, um, that is the aim. Their aim is, is over the next few years to be on a par with United um, and have a ground to suit. So I think the aspirations of the board and the club and Roman are enormous um, and will always want us to be... Um, a world player, and they feel that once they're on this level of marketing expertise, they'll be able to play to pay huge inflated amounts of money for the top marquee players. And that has always been the uh, the gist that I've got from these meetings that I've been to. Um, however, I said the, the fly in the ointment uh, will always be the fact that if we don't play terribly well or don't get players in the interim, we'll, we'll slightly fall out of that, uh, that um, uh, stratosphere. But uh, I I think that um, um, I I feel I I feel actually, uh, and I will keep on saying this, that Conte is hugely to blame for this because of his uncertainty with wanting to be at the club. And I think the the slightly inept transfer um, uh, policy that we had was very much down to him and his desire to leave, as he kept saying he wanted to leave in the summer. And consequently, they were really hamstrung by what to do and who to buy. And I don't think they did this because they were trying to cut back on spending money. I think it was because of the uncertainty of the manager. And I think he has created all of this all season within the club. And that's why I'm bemused as to why he hasn't gone yet. Perhaps there was this hope that somehow he would carry on making it. But, you know, I'll go on about this. The the. The fact that we've only won four in the last 15 matches since January is is sackable is is he should be out It, it for us. It, for a, a team with the aspirations we've got, I will always go back to that original thing that Kenyon said that he wanted two world class players for every position. Well, obviously, they're not doing that. And you there obviously is some kind of, of purse tightening, as we know. But I think they would have gone ahead with buying everybody he wanted in the summer if he hadn't said he was going to leave. And he is clearly a very volatile guy. And also, this is other aspect I've talked about before and we've just talked about is they they he won the title last year with a not very good side. And they're thinking, all right, well, perhaps he can achieve this. We'll give him we'll give him his, uh, um, his we'll give him the slack over this. And he now hasn't done it. And he's just having a go at everybody all the time. So um, uh, I, I think the aspirations of the board are uh, will ultimately be enormous. And. Um, uh, sorry, there are enormous. I think they will deliver. But I think he is the wrong manager to be delivering to. And I think everything, and I hope the players, that the, the top players will hang around because they've got a promise, um, perhaps unbeknownst.
0: Jonathan, you disappeared. He's talked himself out. No, but uh, uh, no, we will move on. And no doubt he'll he'll reappear in a minute. I mean, Marco, I, I think you know. Given, I think Jonathan's make, makes a good point there that uh, there has been this uncertainty about Conte, you know, all of this season, and in, in many respects, it it can't help. But um, I think you know, given that we, you know, it's likely that he's going to be gone. Given that things have changed in the game in a in a wider context given that we know Roman wanted to change things and has been doing it in a cack-handed way for ages, you know, is it is it time that we actually tried to adopt some sort of a football fo- philosophy? I mean, what, what what really irks me is that away from the first team squad and everything that's involved with that, there's been a philosophy in place at this club for what seems an awfully long time because the way that the youth teams play their football, it's very Ajax in a way. There's a real consistency and there's a, there is a vision, there is method there. Um, you know, maybe maybe we need to take the pain for a few years and, and adopt a philosophy, and maybe maybe one that plays attacking and winning football. I mean, what, what do you reckon, Marco?
3: Um, I think the, the the most galling aspect of, of all of this uh, for me is, um, you know, Roman Abramovich bought Chelsea Football Club almost 15 years ago, yeah? And um, at that time... Uh, man United and Arsenal were the, were the dominant forces in the Premier League and everybody applauded Chelsea for coming to the table with a shitload of cash to break up that axis, which is exactly what we did. Um, and, you know, and we, had, and Peter Kenyon was brought in, who's a football man who'd done it at the biggest club in the country at the time, Man United. All of that made sense. Um, the two players in every position that, that um, JK was uh, talking about, all of that made sense. That was the philosophy. You know, the academy was built at that time around that, and, the, and there was a genuine philosophy um, at, at the football club. Um, and we've now, you know, been bypassed by City, who got, you know, F- Ferran Soriano came in, Mansour brought him in you know, because he wanted City to be Barcelona, so let's bring all the backroom, you know, Texie, Mr Unpronounceable name, comes in as Director of Football, and lo and behold, Man City, you know, are like the Coca-Cola of football now, they've got teams all over the place, all playing the same brand of football, you know, Chelsea um, finally got round to replacing Ron Gourlay, who, you know, was kind of like a mini uh, Peter Kenyon, and <laughs> like Kenyan, derided. But the bottom line is, you know, those guys were football people. We just appointed a guy called uh, a guy a guy called Guy Lawrence. Um, you know, and and and, uh, and Bruce Buck, Bruce Buck's comments so you know when when. Um, Uh, when uh, Lawrence joined the club, he'll be working with the owner and the board to increase our commercial revenues and maximize digital opportunities, identify new ways to best serve our supporters here and in the UK and further grow our international fan base. Not one fucking mention of the word football (laughs) in there. That is what pisses me off. You know, you look at that club personnel, Bruce Buck, nice guy, lawyer, Marina, you know, friend of Roman, businesswoman, uh, Eugene Dennenbaum. Not not a football, not an ounce of football pedigree um, among them. That is the board of Chelsea Football Club at the moment. You know, they're not steeped in the traditions of, you know, dare I say it, Manchester United in the way Kenyon. None of that exists. You know, that they're, they're business people. Um, how on earth? With people like that, um, you know, at the hub of the club, how on earth can the club, um, you know, claw back the ground that Man City made? How how is that going to happen? Tell me. I just don't see it. And I I think, um, you know, that is the the, the fundamental problem. Um, Whereas before, you know, throwing money at it, and we bought football teams and hired them five managers, um, that, that that isn't going to work anymore because, as has already been mentioned, you know, some somebody like um, Pochettino, who I think is a brilliant coach, he wouldn't have been given the latitude all the time, uh, you know, at Chelsea for not winning trophies. But, you know, they kind of got that, that, that idea, you know, people, these clubs are seen, same with Liverpool. Um, you know, I mean, you can't really include United in, in that because they, they're just that amorphous blob that's been around forever. Um, you know, talking about clubs that have, 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 stealing, have stolen a march on Chelsea. Um, and I just don't see it, you know. So what's going to happen now? Um, Conte's going to leave. And then what? You know, what, what, what happens next?
0: you know what mate I mean that was I've got I've got to say and I, I don't say this enough but I've got to say tonight it's been an absolute joy listening to you three I mean you know forget the show and I and I tend to talk far more than I bloody ought to but it's been an absolute joy listening to you and your your knowledge and your passion about football and this club I mean is, is why I do this show and if if, if the board. Had half of us on there, I bloody guarantee you, we would be in a much much better place, but I do fear and i, and I 've said this I said this actually in my my big big thing for football London last week that you know we are we are facing a real tipping point, I think as a club, and it could go one way or the other and and, and I think a lot of it 's predicated on whether we do finish in the top four this season, but I think it goes beyond that, and that watershed moment. Will come this summer, and I think we will go what, well, as I said, one way or the other. And there's a real fear, and it's something that we've talked about a lot on this show uh, about the arsenal arsenalification of Chelsea, whereby it becomes far more about the marketing metrics and the money and attaining the minimum amount of success to to satisfy the uh, the bottom line, you know, the balance sheet. But I, I, on the other hand, and I mean, this is kind of what shines through from from you three, you know. <laughs> we ain't dead yet that you know that if they if, if if somebody came in there who had a bit of vision on the football side we could possibly turn this round and i still and i go back to it again you know what we've built up in the youth team uh, over the last few years there is there is a resource there there is something that we could be that, that can be used i just wonder and of course as marco was saying this is the 64 billion dollar question with an owner like roman Abramovich in charge You know, can you ever see a period where we take two steps back to make five steps forward? You know, except maybe a year or two without the success that we've had. Maybe go through a bit of short-term pain for longer-term gain. And I think ultimately that is the real question. And I I, and I I'm afraid we will probably find that answer out sooner than later. I'm going to thank you again, chaps. That was brilliant. But I am going to move on because time is a moving on, as they say. And there's a bit of a the usual kind of business to attend to, uh, and first of all, um, I, should, I i should—I owe you a, a report back on the London Football Awards, uh, which was held last Thursday. I had a great time at the uh, the London Football Awards press reception. Um, I saw John Motson. Uh, I saw Sol Campbell. I resisted all temptation, as you can imagine. Uh, I even saw David Seaman, and I resisted the temptation to go up to him and, and go, let's all do the Seaman. What I did do, I did see Liam Toomey, of course, Liam, friend of the show, who's on regularly, and had a lovely time chatting to him. Uh, and I also, uh, I also did a wonderful, wonderful uh, interview. Uh, with John Hollins and asked him all about would we finish in the top four, would Conte stay or go, what would we do against Barcelona? Of course, John Hollins famously played Jonathan in a match you saw when we played Barcelona in the 60s. He told me all about that. It was a brilliant interview. Uh, And sadly, when I got home and I switched on my wonderful high-tech Zoom digital recorder, I realised that I had not pressed record.
2: Very Um, easily done, Chich, very easily done
0: yes so nobody will ever hear it Um uh, what i can say i will share this with you because john john knew i was interviewing him and then i i thought you know i'm kind of hogging him a bit too much so i ought to kind of just wrap it all up and i said well thank you john and it's been great talking to you it's really good uh and, and he said oh is it finished he said can we carry on i've been really enjoying talking about chelsea <laughs> so he carried on for another 10 minutes which I thought was great. We ended up talking about the England and the World Cup in '66, all sorts of things. So anyway, I'm really sorry about that, people. I've let you down. I've let you down. I'm really sorry, but never mind. The best play, best laid plans and all that. Um, sadly, none of the Chelsea nominees picked up an award on the night, but never mind. Uh, the London Football Awards. I should 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 say, is in its fourth year. It's sponsored by Tosca Fund. It raises funds for former Arsenal goalkeeper and TV presenter Bob Wilson, OBE, and his wife Meg's charity, Willow the only national charity working with seriously ill young adults aged 16 to 40 to fulfil uplifting and unforgettable special days. It really is quite an event, I have to say. I was very, very impressed with it. I mean, I didn't go to the, the, the main thing. I just went to the press reception, but I could see what was going on, and it looks like a cracking event, so there you go. Uh, okay, usual pluggery coming up. Chelsea Supporters Trust. Join the trust. Get your voice heard by the club. It's free to join up to be a member. Absolutely free, but... If you want a nice, shiny badge, and if you want to be able to vote and attend the uh, meetings, then it's £5. And all you do, sign up at ChelseaSupportersTrust.com and uh, and, uh, make a difference. Get your voice heard. It's all very important. Right, Uh, follow them on Twitter, at Chelsea S Trust, of course. Uh, Equally important is the CPO. Uh, If you want to own a little bit of Chelsea and protect the future of the club, go and buy a share in the CPO, who, of course, uh, own the freehold of Stamford Bridge and whose aim is to ensure that Chelsea Football Club will remain playing at Stamford Bridge forever and ever and ever. Amen. Uh, To find out how to buy, a share, email info at chelseapitchowners.com. Uh, and you can follow them on Twitter, at Pitch Owners. And, of course, what I should say is that their shares have now gone down to £25 each. So it's a much cheaper entry point. So if you want one, easy to do. Get in touch with them, buy yourself a share. You won't regret it. Uh, the latest, I believe, Marco, the latest issue of CFC UK is out, isn't it? Was it available at the, uh, the City game or the United game? I think
3: it was on the at of the United game.
0: Yeah, I thought so. Anyway, that one's out. Uh, I haven't got my copy yet, but I shall be picking my copy up from you at the Palace game. Um, But as always, a great read. uh, An absolute uh, legendary tomb. uh, It really is. Marco writes for it. uh, I write for it. Tim Rolls writes for it. Walter Otten. Dean Mears. uh, Clayton. I mean, there are so many of us that we all know and love uh, write for it. And of course, the wonderful DJ hangs it all together in his own inimitable style. Uh, Now, if you want a copy, the best thing to do is to go go to a match. And the... Marco can be found opposite uh, the Fulham Broadway tube exit, can't you, Marco, on the stall?
3: Indeed. Rain or shine.
0: Rain or shine. He's a brave man, is Marco, and does a fantastic job. Also, lots of uh, Gate 17 books and stuff there as well, aren't they, mate?
3: Yeah, yeah. We've got a burgeoning uh, library of um, Chelsea-related titles uh, from... um Many, many people now uh, have stepped up and committed pen to paper. Uh, yeah, and a couple of T-shirts as well. But also, there's always lots of banter. So, you know, with a 5, mm. 5.30 kickoff against Palace, who are currently beating Manchester United 1-0, um, <laughs> I'm sure there'll be plenty to talk about as well. And, of course, the chatter is completely free
0: it is indeed although if if it's cold um, marco uh, is is quite fond of a, of the odd hot chocolate uh, being brought his way and i tell you mate i've i've seen marco at the store on a cold day and he's freezing so it would be very welcome they do a great job all for love all for love um, and if you can't get the uh, cfc uk fanzine at the store cuz you you're not there don't worry you can get it uh, by subscribing digitally to uh, cfcuk.net and if you're in the usa follow uh, at CFC UK USA, and if you want to get a, a, a real hard copy you can uh, contact dan lundberg because he's real hard and he is uh at d lundberg underscore now finally a little plug for us uh we work very hard and we do enjoy what we do but uh, you know in the old days we used to do this buy the boys a beer thing but i mean you know it's a bit passe now we've kind of got a patreon uh, website so if you you know you pay only a pound for the uh the fanzine so my feeling is well you know you can pay a dollar an episode of this and which would be about five dollars a month and you can subscribe via patreon which is patreon p-a-t-r-e-o-n com forward slash chelsea fancast absolutely no pressure to do so whatsoever it's absolutely and entirely up to you it's your choice i keep saying every week you lot have got to email me those of you who do subscribe on patreon please email me and give me a clue as to what kind of stuff we can do just for the people who subscribe on patreon give you something back I, I'm re- I'm really up for that but uh, you know it's it's uh, you know I need you to tell me I need you to come up with some ideas and I'll have a look and have a think and see if we can do that right um, after this very short break uh, we've got Jonathan reading more of your emails out and I have to I have to say I get a bit of a caveat Jonathan this week. Uh, Two didn't make the cut, but it's not because I didn't want them in. It's just that so many people are steamed up about what happened uh, on Sunday that I felt I had to kind of prioritise them. So I think it's Ben, certainly, and uh, I forget who the other one's from. I'll I'll maybe have a quick look in the break. But anyway, um, two of you will be first on next week. I know you missed out last week, Ben, but your two emails are kind of generic. So, I can put them in any week, whereas these were very much Man City Chelsea based. So, there you go. See you in a sec.
3: Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea!
1: FootballFancast.com.
0: Okay, we're back. I'm Stanford Chidge, and you, of course, are listening to the last part of the Chelsea Fancast. Been a bit of a humdinger tonight, and uh, we've had the brilliant uh, Joe Tweeds on. Evening, Chidge. He's still here, he's hanging on like manfully, and the wonderful Mark uh, Worrell, who's on Great Form as always. Hello. Hello. And last but no my name no is Lee, we've got Jonathan in, in, the, in the, uh, you know, the, the bit that we like to call JK Norrie. <laughs> uh, where he reads out all of your emails. That's good, that isn't one. it? I thought you liked that. That's yeah, good. I like that. J.K. Norrie. I'd like to yeah. say I, yeah.
2: I bow down to the excellence of your guests and almost feel that you know you and I might
0: needn't say anything; just plug them in. I ch- know. And then you know they'll be. Yes, all... we've had to say for ages, mate. Brilliant. Yes, you know, yes. but I told you they'd be good, didn't I? I said well, I had a good feeling in my bones. I said they're going to be cracking tonight, and they've been brilliant. Yeah. Right, enough of that because we've got lots of. I might have to have a curfew on this, Jonathan. But let's see if we can get through as many as we yeah, can. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. There are a couple. There's one in particular I'd like to comment on, which is the one about the um, uh, one that talks about uh, Wembley and um, mm. uh, and redeveloping the um, the ground. 'cause I've got I have knowledge okay. of
0: this. I have absolute knowledge of this. Well,
2: um all <clears throat> right
0: well, 20, this was... 25, twenty twenty five twenty
2: twenty five minutes, so don't don't yeah. dally. No. Um this is from Emilio Herreth. dear Chidge. There was a five threat no sorry, right, not again. Uh this is from Emilio Hareth, dear Chidge and Co. That was a hard 90 minutes to sit through, such a frustrating performance. We did absolutely nothing for an hour. It makes no sense to me why the team was playing like we have a big man up top when we have both strikers on the bench. We seem to lack any idea of how to play with a false nine and attack as a team. It was so easy for City to press us. We kick it up long to hazard and they win it back. This makes me question Conte. Why does he continue with the false nine when it's clear it's not what we're good at? For all of City's possession... They scored off a mistake from us, so I don't really get Conte's post-match comments either, that City showed the difference between us. Hazard was wasted today, and I'm starting to worry about whether he'll stay now. If we had a better tactic of out of play City, we could have beaten them, or at least drawn. What do you think? Cheers, Emilio. I think we've answered all of that, haven't we, Chich? And, he, and as, yeah. as Joe He's said, he wasn't might. really a false nine at all. He was a centre-forward. That's why it didn't work. Yeah. So uh, I'll get on to the next one. Yeah, I think
0: one. we agree with Emilio there, don't we, really? We do.
2: We do. Um, this is from Anaban Batachaji. Hello, Wall. I'm writing. He's in.
0: This- he, I saw. I saw him in. I saw him in Mixler. He's in here somewhere. Oh, fantastic, right? An- An- Anabin. Hello, Anabin. Hello, Anabin. Hello, Wall. I'm writing this email
2: after Chelsea has conceded the first goal. Again, a mistake from Christensen. I hope the people who kept on complaining about Cahill now can give him a break. Christensen has committed three critical errors, which all led to goals in three different matches. Finally, I'd like to point out: Yeah, Conte did win the league last year, but Jesus Christ, can he shut the fuck up about the squad not, <laughs> not being good enough or does not have the depth? Because anybody playing against Man City would have known Hazard would not be able to influence the game if we're on the back foot. Didn't he not see what happened at the home fixture at the Bridge? Cheers, keep
0: the blue flag flying high, Anna ban. Yeah, very good, very
2: good points indeed. I think we, I think we've, we've I, I, I. Well, I
0: think, I think, I think. We mildly disagree with him about Christensen. I thought we were yeah, a little bit yeah. kinder to him earlier yeah. on. But, but, but uh, we, know, we, we get, about what we get his
2: anger. We feel his anger. I love yeah, that. And can I just also say, just make a quick do. point, um, where does Louise figure in all of this? And it was completely outstanding last year. And because of a row that he's had with Conte, he doesn't figure at all. Because that, to me, would take the pressure off Christensen. If he wasn't feeling he was playing with great confidence, yeah. he could give Louise a go. Louise would play out of his skin. He was brilliant last year. He's a brilliant player. And because he's had this huge row, he's not figuring at all. He's not injured. He just doesn't figure Anyway, and I, he's, I, to me, this is absolute sign that the manager won't be with us because he wouldn't. They won't sell him. They're going to hang on to him till the next manager comes in. And all we need is the next manager to have a very good attacking philosophy. And we won't be having these conversations because we will <laughs> back, we will be back up there again. It's, it takes as little as that with Chelsea. This is this is our club. We, we're gloom and doom at the moment because of what's going on. He's a new manager, new new, uh, new set of values, and we'll be fine. Trust me. I'm very positive today, even though I'm very negative. Anyway, mm. um, this is from Gary Aimer. <laughs> Gary Dear Chidge and the gang, thank you for all the effort that the podsters and yourself put into making the show every week. It's great, greatly appreciated. I'd like to ask two questions to whoever is doing the show tonight, if you don't mind. The first one about the new stadium and the second one about the team. Um, it, number one, is it too late to stop the plans for the new stadium and just build a new stand at the shed end? I'm sure the answer is no. I'm afraid you're completely wrong, Gary. The answer is yes, it is too late. Roman is committed to building the stadium, but do we really need a 60,000-seated stadium, and would we fill it every home game when the team is playing like it currently is? I don't think we would. It's clear now that the purse strings have been tightened with more than half an eye on the future cost of the club, of financing the new ground. I'm not sure whether that's clear at all. And whilst on paper we've spent 200 million since the end of last season, in all honesty, what have we spent it on? We've replaced the World class striker in Costa was seventy-eight million pounds worth of reserve strikers. Murata wasn't the first or even second choice striker at his previous team. We sold Matic and have spent £80 million on three midfielders who were all injured at the completion of their transfers. That's true. We just don't seem to be replacing quality with uh, quality anymore. Can you see us filling Wembley for every home game for the next four years after yesterday's shambolic performance, especially with the cost of a matchday ticket as it is nowadays? I'm sure I've read articles written in the CFC UK fanzine stating that even for the local supporters, travelling to Wembley is going to add on considerable time and experience Expense for the regulars. Never mind for us living outside London. I only live in Crawley, but getting to Wembley is a pain in the arse on the occasional visit that I've managed to go. Why can't we just knock down the hotel and apartments and build a proper shed-end stand, possibly a three-tiered on? The view from the upper tier is great, don't get me wrong, but the lower tier stand is awful. If we could build some sort of walkway over the train tracks at the back of the Matthew Harding stand, then surely all that is needed with a new shed-end to bring the capacity close to around 50,000. Can I deal with this now, Chidge? This this
0: yes, idea? go for it.
2: Um, you can't build sixty thousand seater there because you'd have to do. I think it's called cantilevering. It you'd have to put um, the the structure, the foundation for the whole of the stand where the hotel is would go into all the properties adjoining. So that that doesn't work. That's been established. That won't work. You can't just add on seats at the top. It has to be supported, and the support would go into all those houses at the back of the shed. So that's a a no-goer. They've also, I've been to two um, uh, demonstrations, what's the word, um, uh, people talking about it. The the man who's designed it, the architect, everybody. It is a wonderful, wonderful ground. It will be the envy of everybody in the world. It is superb. Um, We will be overjoyed at going there. He is not giving up spending. He is willing to spend, um uh, you know, 500 million on it. They are so keen on making this all work and they're so not keen on Wembley that they have actually gone, I think I've mentioned this before, they have attempted to ask Hammersmith and Fulham whether they could rebuild the Linford Christie Stadium to make it a 40,000 seater. And then the idea was possibly to sell it to Queens Park Rangers, who weren't interested, but Hammersmith and Fulham are trying to help them keep this kind of um, keep the club uh, even in this period of four years within the boundaries of um, uh, of the borough. Um, Wembley is very far down the list of places to go. I don't know why this keeps being dragged up as it being Wembley. They're not sure that it's going to be Wembley. They would prefer it not to be Wembley for the reasons that you state. Uh, It's easier for Spurs fans to get to Wembley because they're all North London. It's just an easier... And even then, they get completely stuck from Marylebone. It just doesn't work for them either. And uh, and I don't agree that the club will have difficulty wherever they go filling it. But even they, initially, are keen to have a 40,000-seater. So it may be, I don't know what the state of play is at the moment, that they go to Craven Cottage and ask them or Brentford and say, can we increase the capacity of your ground and share it with you? because they are willing to spend that amount of money on it. They are willing to go that far. And it is, consequently, I am overjoyed by this. I think it's going to be an absolutely brilliant ground with a brilliant experience. And, uh, and to say that the, the club is going to go backwards, I just think is, is absurd with these wonderful aspirations for the ground. So please, can we just get rid of this discussion about Wembley that just seems to constantly pop up as if that is inevitable. It isn't. It's low down the list and not Twickenham either. Twickenham, they can't get permission from anybody around there to do it. It, They are looking for lower, lower for smaller clubs to improve. So clearly the amount of money, whether he's going to use the money himself or get investors, they are absolutely going for this in a big, wonderful way. And the future for our club will be fabulous. Um, Anyway. Uh, I'll go to so
0: Kingstonian uh, then, J.K. Well, yeah, but there's a possibility
2: there, Chidge. I know it sounds ridiculous, but if that's going to be the case, and they that will suit them for the period, it's unlikely to be Kingstonian, isn't it? But it's not. That's not without the realms of possibility, is it? I mean, if they can, if they get planning permission to do it, they are looking at all these avenues and talking about. He says talking about putting a, a cover over the uh, the railway. They're doing that. That's part of the plan. Yeah, yeah, They've got to that. do that to build. The stand, the major stand, the east stand, has to have a foundation that is lent upon um, that that goes all the way back. So they've had to cover the railway; that's part of it.
0: I tell you what, you know, Fulham, Fulham would be great. I I would have no problem with Fulham because all the pubs would stay the same. It'd be great, you know. And yeah, as long as you can fit. I'm sorry, this this sounds really selfish, uh, but as long as you can fit all the season ticket holders in, it's fine. (laughs) <laughs> but I actually maybe I shouldn't have said that I think that's the kind
2: of thing that they're
0: debating I really do because they're, yeah, they're maybe, so, maybe
2: they're so keen on um they say the borough is very keen on helping them with all of this the uh the 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 um the, the town hall and everything the Hammersmith and Fulham um um anyway let's Jonathan get, can I
0: just make make yeah. it can I, can I just make one quick point the Gary? Yeah. is that from what I know about the the, the redevelopment there are issues uh, because basically you can't, you couldn't build, a, certainly an east stand like it is now, uh, let alone the others, because there's now legislation which means you have to have the raking of the seating yes. uh, much uh, less deep than it is, certainly in the east stand, which is why they're having to build down, because they can't build further up or back, as Jonathan said, but certainly not up, because there's also a, 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 um, a limit on the the height of the stadium, which is all to do with some weird bylaw. Meaning that you have to be able to see St Paul's Cathedral from Richmond Hill or something yes. daft like yeah. that. So, so we, we that's kind of where they are, and, and and they they couldn't. That's basically why they couldn't build one great big kind of Dortmund-like Shed End, which if, would have been great. If you look at the, um, it would be too high.
2: You look at the West Stand now, um, where Abramovich is is further back than where the East Stand is. The East Stand is much, the East Stand middle is much closer to the pitch. Yeah. Than the yeah. West Stand, but and it's completely illegal now. You couldn't build like that now. The one in the West Stand is more like it. So Abramovich in his um, in his box is actually much much further away than any of us sitting in the the front of the East Stand. That's why those East Stand seats are so uh, attractive. Because as you know, Chidge, you haven't come with me. It, it just it almost as if you're just overhanging the pitch. It's absolutely remarkable. Yeah. yeah. But that won't once the ground is so that won't ever be the same again because of you say of uh, health and safety anyway um, second sec- second part of this email which is a really good email by the way um, I'm sorry I've, I've weighed I've weighed in but I just I have the information here because I've been to these these uh, demonstrations this is from uh, I guess is Gary Amers second part Gary um, are we witnessing the return of palpable discord reference to uh, um, Goli, of course Um Hands up all those who think Antonio Conte's heart isn't in it anymore. He's a completely different manager to the one we all fell in love with last season. He barely gets animated these days. His press conferences are boring. It seems he's just constantly griping and complaining about anything and everything. His tactics aren't working and yesterday the team resembled the manager in its performance against City. I get the fact that City have romped at the title this season and it would be nigh on impossible for our current team to stand toe-to-toe with them. But what on earth did we witness yesterday? That was shocking, cowardly almost. I wouldn't go as far to say that the players have downed the proverbial tools again, as they seem to do in the 15-16 season. But more and more this season, they've displayed a completely hopeless facade in their performances. And the manager has been powerless to change it, unless he couldn't give up any more himself. I thought after the awful second half performance last week against United, coupled with our closest rivals for the top four positions, both winning on Saturday that we would come out and show some desire and some bollocks, but we just cowered down and hoped for the best. Why play Eden up front on his own? It was a clear 5-4-1 formation and not the hipster's favourite false nine. I know King Kerry feels it's the players, not the formation, that wins games, and who am I to disagree with him? But how is playing Eden up front on his own going to get the best out of him? He's at his best out wide, where he can influence the game. He's one of the best players in the modern-day game, running with the ball at speed, but being played in the centre... He's just closed down. He doesn't have the space he needs to start attacks. Teams have sussed out our three at the back. The smarter managers sussed it towards the end of last season. But Antonio still persists in it. It's blunting our forward creativity. Look at City yesterday. They had six mobile attack-minded players, completely comfortable on the ball, plus two full-backs who get forward at every opportunity. Look at how we were yesterday. Our five players that weren't recognised defenders were bereft of confidence and composure. It was almost as if we had the ball for longer than five seconds. We had to give it back to City in one form or another. I don't know what players Antonio seems to feel he didn't get bought bought for him this season, but he's got what he's got, and he has to make do with it. It's how it is at Chelsea nowadays, and whilst it might not be everyone's preferred way, it seems to work. (coughs) I used to feel that the manager should have the most influence in who comes and goes as players, but Jose has changed my view when he got rid of Lukaku, De Bruyne, Mata, and Luis, um, um, Luis Thingy, what's his name? Um, Um... Enrique's, wasn't it? (coughs) FFP had something to do with those transfers as well, I'm sure. I'm sorry for the long rant. There's so much more than could be said after yesterday's performance, but I'm sure you would have dissected the game already in the show. Keep up the good work, Chidge, JK, Tony, Alex, Clayton, Dan, et al. And as Alex mentioned in her blog yesterday, it does all pale into insignificance on hearing the news of the Italian player who sadly passed away on Saturday night. (coughs) Excuse me. (coughs) Keep the blue flag flying high Gary Aimer. P.S. I'm currently playing catch up on the podcast I know it's scandalous Hang on
3: Do
2: you want me to read it? No, 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 it's okay But this is to be read out tonight Can you email me please, Chitch, in advance And I will do my best to listen live Live
0: Guess what? (laughs) You did No, I forgot to email Sorry, Gary Sorry, Gary, I'm sorry. No. Actually, that's a very good point there. I mean, I, I think we broadly we broadly all agree with all the points that Gary so eloquently made there. Um, but actually, one thing we didn't discuss, uh, I wonder, Marco, how much it affected Conte, uh, you know, losing uh, Davide Astori, who, of course, I think he, he picked for Italy, didn't he?
3: I mean, obviously, you know, there's a great deal of sympathy, um... Involved, you know, in that. But I mean, you know, the news kind of broke around midday uh, yesterday. So I think, it, you know, had had it had it been something that you know a tragedy that had happened maybe on Thursday or Friday, then you could have kind of said it might have you know impacted um, his thought process, but. I, I you know, I, I don't think it would be right to say that it, 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 it affected the guy personally, but I don't think it would have affected anything to do with um the way Chelsea played yesterday. Mm. Uh, mm.
0: No, no, I, I think I think that's clear. But uh, very sad news. I mean, crazy. he's only thirty-one. What's all that about? I mean, that's just really awful. Uh, obviously, commiserations and condolences to all of his family. I tell you what, actually, Mark. I thought it was a really good. T- I, I was really impressed with the fact that Syria Ab postponed all of its games yeah. yesterday as a result. And it was also, you know,
3: I kind impressive of, that all the uh, ultras from all the various clubs um, around Italy did that. You know, the famous thing where they spray. Their bed sheets um, with, with, with aerosol cans, and they all had messages of sympathy um, for, for for David. So you know, it's kind of it's good that. Um, but then mm. they do that quite well in Italy, the old uh, familia thing. So.
0: Yeah, they do. Yep, cozy fan, cozy fan too, teammate, as uh, as Dellboy might say. <laughs> um, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> yeah as Marco well knows I always speak appallingly bad Italian at him when, whenever I see him at the store <laughs> you know like lasagna limoncello spaghetti bolognese marco and speak fluent fellow yes,
3: at the CFC UK store that's
0: true I tell you what mate and, and this is I, this is just proves what a stupid show this can be at times and how we always go over over budget on it uh, I I I have this brilliant um uh, kind of deli in Looper Street in Pimlico Called Delizia, Delizia Italiano or Venezia, Venezia I can't it's remember, popular. Delizio something. It's, yeah, I know, it's Do like, it's like my own version own. of Satrielli's. Do they make their own? Well, it's like my. Well, I'm getting there, I'm getting there. I mean, it's like my version of Satrielli's in The Sopranos, and I quite often. I always have to go there whenever I return to Pimlico. But they make their own olive oil, homemade olive oil from Puglia, which is great. But they also occasionally have their own homemade limoncello. And last time I went in there to replenish my olive oil stocks, I looked for the lemon because I'm going to buy a bottle for you, mate, because I know how much you love limoncello. But uh, last time I went in, they did they didn't have any. And I keep asking them. I said, "You got look, you got to get the limoncello back. I've got a mate who loves this stuff. So you know, hopefully one day, Marco. Brilliant." Okay, Jonathan, I reckon we can just about squeeze in Peter's and then that'll be it. All right, good stuff. Do, do, you want, do you want me to read it? Is your voice? No, no, it's cool. It's cool. No, it it it, it yep. it, sure?
2: It's just the end. Yeah, it was too much. No, I've recovered a bit now. <clears throat> Here we go. This is from Peter Bryant. Hi. Carry on with your great work. I love listening to the pod on my journey into work. I was thinking about emailing before City, but in the end ran out of time. So now I'm emailing after, and therefore it's a different email to the original one I was thinking of. The question for me is quite broad. Whose fault was yesterday? Actually, before I start, what an amazing noise our fans made. Number one, was it Antonio's fault? Well, it could be. I found the tactics really strange. Now, we all know he's Italian, so you can understand the defensiveness, if that's a word. Yes, it is. However, I found myself agreeing with Gary Neville. Yes, we were compact, but there was no outlet. This must be tactics. Basically, Antonio is a victim of his own success last year. No, own success. Last year, we massively overachieved, but that's not really taken into account. And this is where the board needs to have a football person involved, because it seems to me they just don't get it. Antonio seems to be able to coach and improve defensive players, but not the forward-looking players. The players, number two. Last week, I was really angry after the game. I think it was because we played pretty well, but still lost. I wasn't even angry yesterday, just resigned to what happened. However, I thought Morata was really poor against United. I couldn't understand playing him instead of Giroud. Yesterday, the false nine, whatever that is, clearly didn't work. I thought Hazard looked like he didn't want to be there. His job is to run his balls off, and he didn't. Why would he stay when he doesn't get a touch? William, I thought, really tried, but it didn't come off. Pedro had a bad one. It was a shame about Kante, but this isn't a game I would have played Fabrograss. Number three, the board. It's probably a combination of all three, but the board are pretty liable. I think we had a real chance of building something with Antonio, but I need to keep reminding myself that in reality that's not going to happen. It makes me quite sad. Anyway, we'll probably get a new manager and win the league again and so on. Yeah. Sorry, it's a bit of a rant, so I understand if you don't read it out. We've read it out. Um, I've emailed previously about the Liquidator. The week after next is the 50th anniversary of my first game versus Leicester in 1968. Congrats, Peter. Despite all of the above, I'll never stop loving the Blues. None of us will. That's the point. All the best. Peter Bryant, currently living near High Wycombe, born and brought up. In Chelsea.
0: Brilliant email from Peter. I, I do remember that one about the. Do you remember that one about the liquidator? Yeah, he was complaining about why it
2: had Spurs in it in the same way, didn't he? As yeah, as, yeah. as, no, as, as everything that, else. Car. We all agree with that. We think it's absolutely
0: ridiculous. Yeah, we do. Lovely, lovely to hear from you again, Peter, and congratulations on your fiftieth anniversary. Jesus, that puts me to shame. Great stuff. Listen, Jai and Nate. I'm sorry, but time afraid, I'm afraid has escaped us. I'll try and squeeze yours in uh, next Monday if 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 they're still relatively relevant. Uh, but there you go. Uh, but we gotta go. Oh, actually, before we do, Joe. I mean, would you broadly agree with Peter on those points?
1: Uh, yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. I think. Uh, the, I mean, the the, the main thing. I, I, you know, the sort of last takeaway for me really is that I think the. The thing we've we've not seen this season i think you've you've got conte trying to fit the system to the players rather than finding a system that, that fits the players this season i think it's clear that, that what he's trying to do at, at times this season isn't really working with this this back three. and there's a yeah there's there's a huge reticence to, to change that and yeah i think sometimes the, the, some of the selections that we've had particularly the uh playing in midfield two against a uh, city's midfield three i felt was pretty uh a little bit naive there but yeah i mean I think it's a it's a good email i pretty much agree with all of it
0: Lovely stuff. Great stuff. Okay, look, we do love receiving them, as you can obviously tell. Uh, and we always will try and read them out on the show. So send them to chelseafancast at gmail.com and make sure you do it before a Monday. Uh, otherwise, it overloads them or they don't get in or whatever. Right, I'm I'm very sad to say that that is all we've got time for this week. Uh, we will be back on Monday the... F- uh, no, that would be today. So Monday the f- 12th of March, I believe, at 7 o'clock. Uh, And, of course, I'll be joined, as ever, by Jonathan Kidd, uh, and we'll be joined by the lovely Dan Silver and Clayton Beerman. Clayton, who's uh, got a blog coming up on the website, on the ChelseaFanCast.com website soon, I believe. Uh, and we will be reporting back on Chelsea versus Crystal Palace, who are currently... Oh, it's. Oh, United <laughs> have got a goal back, so it's 2-1, I believe. Latest score, uh, Palace 2, United 1, tee-hee-hee. Let's hope they hold out, uh, and let's hope they get spanked by us next uh, Saturday. And, of course, we'll also be looking ahead to the Barcelona match, which will follow two days later. So there you go. Now, uh, before that, of course, I'll be recording the Kerry Dixon show with the one and only Kerry Dixon. And that'll be on Thursday. So make sure you download and listen to that uh, from Acast, Apple and SoundCloud at all. And apologies for no show this week because of the snow and all this kind of stuff that was going on. It was impossible for me and Kerry to be at the right place at the right time. So many apologies. Uh, Now, uh, as I said earlier on at the beginning of the show. Uh this Friday, between seven and nine p m we'll be doing our first Chelsea fancast for Love Sport Radio. Jonathan Marco and myself will be kicking things off this Friday. The best thing is that you can phone in and join in the show and debate with us live live, live. Uh, and the number to live now, the number to call is o two. I think this is the right number. If it's not, I will let you all know somehow anyway, it's o two o seven. 702 0558 and as I said I will be reminding you of this constantly before Friday It'd be nice to get some callers on the line to us now Love Sports, a London radio station and is broadcast on 558am and on London's DAB and many numerous digital channels. So you can get it on DAB, basically. Uh, sometimes you've got to rescan your radio to pick up the new stations, but uh, if you can't manage that, you can listen to it from anywhere in the world by visiting lovesportradio.com, and of course you can download their Love Sport app in Android and iOS. And uh, as I said, you can also listen to it through Radio Player app and TuneIn app, and follow them on Twitter at Radio. And Facebook, www.facebook.com forward slash love sport radio. Of course, you can follow us on Twitter at Chelsea Fancast, me at Stanford Chis, Jonathan at Jonathan Kidd, Marco at Gate 17, Marco, Joe at Joe Tweedy. And as I've said repeatedly, because Gion kicks me if I don't, follow and check out the Chelsea Fancast website at ChelseaFancast.com. Huge thanks to Leon and all the Chelsea Fancast bloggers, and the new ones particularly who have come up this week, Nick and Tom and the others. And uh, loads of content going up. It's great. As Donald Trump would say, it's the best content. The best content. Go and check it out. Uh, Everything we write gets posted on uh, Twitter and Facebook, of course. Facebook.com stroke slash whatever Chelsea fan car. So check it out. Like them. Retweet them. Read them. Do your thing. We've got to go. But before I do, a massive, mahoosive thanks to uh, the wonderful Joe Tweet, who's been utterly brilliant tonight great knowledge and insight joe
1: cheers, cheers. yeah and i'll uh, i'll get working on that block for uh Leon shortly
0: well there we go you, <laughs> you you know you'll make him a very happy i think you've already made him he's, he's so excited i can tell just from looking at mixler you're very generous of you joe it would be a real honor for you for you to put something up for us it'd be great and hopefully i'll see you soon you've got to let me know when you're coming over I so we should. can have a chat in gate 17 all
1: things looking as they are i should be back for the top of the game
0: Oh, jolly good! Yeah, I don't, I really don't know if that's a good place, thing or not in current form, but I should be back for the top. Wow! Fuck it, we'll have a beer. We'll have a beer, <laughs> whatever happens. That's the main thing. All right, mate. Great to have you on. Thanks for joining all in, run, Marco. Uh, thank you so much for your brilliant passion and and <clears throat> just passion for this club, mate. And the insight you bring to it. It's been a joy to listen to you tonight, and I'm I'm already pumped for Friday. You, me, and Jonathan are going to knock them all dead, mate. That's for sure. Forward
3: to it and having a beer maybe as well.
0: Oh yeah, do you reckon so? I know. Do you know what? Uh, there's some brilliant pubs in that manor. There's one called the King's Head, actually, in Rupil Street, which is a great boozer. Maybe we, we're going to have a slide slide pint or three afterwards. Yes. Cheeky pints, indeed. I'll, I'll join yeah, you definitely. as well.
2: I'll join you, but I'll. Um, yeah, yeah. I might have a glass of red wine.
0: Well, we can't we can't hang around the studio because basically the minute and this is the funniest thing of all is that I mean literally they will boot us out at uh, eight fifty. Uh, 8, or well basically they go to the news at 9 and that we'll be have to silently be escorted out of the building. But you know who's coming in straight after us, don't you? Is it the Mil- There's a podcast called Ach- Achtung Millwall. <laughs> <laughs> so we might not get out alive, but we will try. You've definitely yeah, made me, that Jon- uh, Me, Jonathan and Mark yeah, exactly. <laughs> Me, Johnny, and uh, Marco will be having a beer after that show. But tune in; it'd be great. I'm, we're looking forward to it, as you can tell. Right, we gotta go. Thank you all for listening. It's been brilliant tonight, especially for you people in Mixler. As always, you've been fantastic. Love reading your comments. Uh, if only I could get to read more out. But we'll see you next time. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, and keep it chels. Oh. Yeah,